does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. So get this. Jimmy Cook, do you recall, I believe it was the first week that I was moved to the midday. It was on a Friday, so it would have been in some number of weeks ago from today. We were at the Hoosier Hardwood Festival in Zionsville, right? Yes. Just outside of Zionsville at the Boone County Fairgrounds. Indeed. A lot of fun, right? Great time. Uh, and we got the chance to interview and then hold and and pet Twiggy, right? Caress. The, the water Caress, skiing squirrel. The water Indeed. skiing squirrel. And... We said that Twiggy had a lot in common with Jonathan Taylor because Twiggy was really cute. As soon as you see him, you immediately love him. Uh, does things that you don't see elsewhere from other squirrels. Incredible athleticism out of Twiggy. And then when you hold Twiggy, you immediately are like, I can't believe that that like I'm, Twiggy's mine. Like This is the best. And then Twiggy got a little bit, I could feel as I'm holding him against my chest, he got a little bit uneasy, a little bit shifty. Twiggy's handlers are losing their mind. Correct. Correct. Nobody knew what. To, everybody was worried that Twiggy was just going to hop, run away, and you're never going to see him again. You were his ticket to freedom. And at that time, we said Twiggy is just like Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor at that time, great running back, does things that most running backs don't do. Immediately, the first time you see him, maybe here it was more like the third because he got off to a slow start in his career. But but when you see him, you fall in love with what you're seeing, and it's an athleticism that is unique. And then you realize, like, and and yet he's ours. He plays for Indianapolis for the Colts. And then all of a sudden, Jonathan Taylor got a little bit squirrely, quite frankly, and a little bit uncomfortable. His handlers didn't know exactly what to do. And you worried that he was going to just bolt right out the door. The difference now, for the first time, we have, Eddie, when it comes to Jonathan Taylor, we do have breaking news. There's a difference between Jonathan Taylor and Twiggy and it is breaking news today. Unlike Twiggy, Jonathan Taylor has spoken. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor today meeting with the media. This comes, of course, based on the fact that he is no longer on the physically unable to perform list. He went on that list. For those of you who have been under a rock, I will briefly recount for you what took place. And that is that Jonathan Taylor, at the end of last year, had an ankle injury. He had... Uh, surgery on that ankle or a procedure on that ankle he reported to camp and he said that look my, my ankle's bothering me and you know I'm not necessarily ready to go for camp and then he later they said okay well you know and then there was the contract issue because his contract he wants an extension the Colts wanted to wait till the end of this year he is under contract through this season and then they can franchise tag him he then later said, well, actually, you know what? I, my back's bothering me. Well, if your back's bothering you and that happened away from the team, that's a non-football injury. We can put you on the non-football injury list, which means you will not get paid, which means your contract goes for then another year. So then he backed away from that, and there have been all kinds of stories and reports and everything else about whether or not this is contract-laden, whether this is actually health-related, whatever it might be. Jonathan Taylor spoke today, and now that he is back in the fold, now that he went through the walkthrough yesterday, that he is seemingly going to return to practice, question for Jonathan Taylor is, 
Is this more weighing on his mind about simply being a healthy running back or more weighing on his mind about being one that was trying to get paid? Jonathan, your thoughts. The goal was to be healthy. Everyone in this whole thing, the main goal was to be healthy, to go out there and to be able to, to do what I love, just play football. So um, just going through that journey throughout this whole time, been a lot of things said that have been done, but at the end of the day, the number one overall goal for everybody was for me to get healthy. I think everybody's on the same page with that. When did you get healthy? Over the course of this this whole offseason. There's never a specific date because there's always progression. There's always, hey, we've got to break through this wall. Then we got to break through that next wall. So just being able to maintain that perseverance until you get the chief goal that you want. So Jonathan Taylor speaking at West 56th Street today, and we sent someone with an iPhone to West 49th to get that. Um, but if you couldn't make it out, what he basically said there was, uh, I have in the entire offseason been working on getting healthy. And the question now becomes, does this mean that it is put to bed and that Jonathan Taylor is a member of the Colts, Jonathan Taylor is going to play for the Colts, Jonathan Taylor is going to get 1,000 yards, Zach Moss gets a hearty thank you and some parting gifts. That remains to be seen. But it does appear, and, and I want to make very clear here, do not kid yourself. This was not misrepresented. This was not misreported. Jonathan Taylor, when he arrived at camp, took a very hard line in the sand and wanted to make very clear that he did not want to continue as an Indianapolis Colt. And then I think what happened, two things became more clear for Jonathan Taylor. Will I give him benefit of the doubt and say the ankle was sore? Sure. Sure. Okay. The ankle was sore. But Jonathan Taylor, do you ever do you remember as a kid, Jimmy Cook, when you would go to Denny's restaurant? I'm just going to throw out a restaurant. Okay. And they'd bring out the little kid paper placemat. Yeah. And they'd give you a crayon. Yes. And there would be like five different things you could do. You could you could paint the the pump or you know, I'm sorry, color the pumpkin. We got tic-tac-toe over here to correct. the right. One of the things they had was the little maze. Sure. Where it starts with the little dog, and then there's the little dog house, and you got to follow the maze through, and then and see which way gets all the way. Get through. Sparky home. Yep. Every time that Sparky, in this case, tried to navigate his way through to getting and securing an extension that will pay him, like they gave Shaq Leonard, like they gave Quentin Nelson, like they gave ne- Naeem Hines, for that matter. Okay. Every time he tried to get Sparky to that payday he kept running into another wall that was a dead end. And eventually, he sat back, and he looked at the whole thing, and he gave it to his agent, and they put it on a projector, and they looked on the wall, and they looked at the whole thing, and finally he decided, gosh, the only way to get to the payday is actually to not go through this maze at all, but to run all the way around it and run really hard, really fast, and hope that things work out in my favor. And I think what you're seeing right now is a running back that realized he was out of options. And yeah. so the team says, you know what? Welcome back. We're happy to have you, and let's see what we can do. Yeah, I mean, I talked about this yesterday, Jake, in regards to how he would approach whenever his first media availability would be. And it's very good, at least from a 
weighing the water standpoint that this meeting has happened now that we've at least seen an opportunity for Jonathan Taylor to share his side of the story, to share where he stands on things. I also want our listeners to know, in case you've not followed this today, and a number of different reporters have been on this. Our own Kevin Bowen has been on it. Mike Chappell has been on this, as is James Boyd. Uh, Dominic Miranda, who's a WTHR, was also at the press conference. And I'm highlighting him because this goes back to the audio that we played when he said, it feels really good to be healthy. The main goal was to be healthy and play football. The question was, do you want to be a Colt? Did you rescind your trade request? And he answered with, it feels really good to be healthy. The main goal is to be healthy and play football. That was the gist of this press conference. There were multiple efforts by a lot of different people we have on the show, by a lot of different people that you read that cover the Colts, trying to get him to talk about the contract stuff, trying to get him to talk about where he stands on the trade front, he was having none of it. In fact, at one point he said, I'm not here to talk about contract stuff. We had the Titans on Sunday. This is a player that realizes his options right now within the Colts in terms of his contract stuff is behind closed doors, his future negotiations if they want, or his main objective at this point, which is playing football. Because as you mentioned, Jake, and as we mentioned yesterday, that's the only card he has left right now. Unless he wants to take financial penalties, unless he wants to make this be a real headache, the entirety of this season into next offseason, his only solution is to get out there and play football in the hopes that maybe he gets rewarded by the Colts or maybe a team that feels like they are just one playmaker away makes a move for him between now and the deadline. Now, when he goes out on the field, and I know that, listen, there nobody, I'm telling you right now, With all due respect, there are others that are equivalent, so I don't want to sell anybody short here, okay? But when it comes to having their the, the daily pulse of the Colts, you know, probably the, the the three top, Kevin Bowen, right here in this building, yep. Mike Chappell, and Stephen Holder. I mean, it's probably those three, right? And I think all three of those have been very open about the fact that this is a fractured relationship, or was. Now, things can change. And according to Stephen Holder, they are starting to change a little bit in the fact that the, the relationship looks like it, it may be mending, okay? So the question that I have is this. When he gets on the field, and I think at this point we can probably lean towards when as opposed to if. Is there still the chance they could trade him? I, I guess. Sunday's still on the table, by the way. But we'll go with I, – I understand. I feel, I, feel, I feel slightly better the way he was talking today that maybe he gets out there. So here's the question I have for Colts fans. Sure. And, and probably this depends upon whether or not the introduction comes by him running out in the field in pregame introductions if he's a starter or if it's simply late in the third quarter, his first appearance is a handoff for two yards up the middle, right? But I want to know if Colt fans will applaud him upon seeing him or boo him. I'm, usually, I, I'm not saying that there's a right answer either way. I'm usually a wear my heart on my sleeve type of fan. And I'm okay in certain circumstances with booing. I don't feel like you're really achieving anything by booing in this instance. He's still now back with the team. Like if if you want, but he kind of held your team hostage for four he, weeks. He did, did he not. He did, or he tried to. He tried to. It didn't work because ultimately football goes on. And like we mentioned, Zach Moss did okay in his stead. I don't think booing's going to do anything. I mean, if you feel like you need to boo, you're a season ticket holder. You're paying the prices to go, or even if you're just paying to go to the game, like that's your right as a fan. I'm not going to fault you for it, but like this isn't an area where I can easily jump into that pit with Colts fans and be like, yeah, you have to boo this guy. Because at the end of the day, even though it took him four weeks and a trip on the pup to realize this, 
he needs to play football not just for the betterment of the franchise, but for the betterment of his situation, right. which okay. in turn will help the Colts. By they the way, are a is, better team with Jonathan Taylor out there. Is it me or is it 900 degrees? It feels here? very warm in here. I mean, what happened? Like, it, it literally, I just realized it, like, I mean, okay. I'm not, here I am saying that Jonathan Taylor shouldn't have taken, like, employment grievances public, but um, I'm going to do exactly that. Uh, we just had a caller that, and I, if you want to call and come on the show, that's great. I don't know that you necessarily need to get into a three-minute dialogue with Eddie, but would you like to recap what Aaron said to give us a pulse? Yeah, Aaron was just saying that this all really stems from the Jim Irsay tweet, this whole Jonathan Taylor saga, uh, just because it would be like our bosses or somebody within our company, you know, bashing us and saying we suck, and then, um, you know, still having to go out there and perform and probably didn't make Jonathan Taylor feel too well about what he had to say regarding the tweet about okay, the running back fair. position. Uh, that didn't start this though. It didn't help it, but it didn't start it. Here's the thing. And, and Aaron is not entirely off base. I like Aaron because Aaron is kind of an has always been kind of an outside the box thinker. Um there's a little bit of the old phone game that goes on there where like over the course of, you know, things getting passed along, it gets interpreted different ways. The Jim Irsay tweet that we're talking about was back at the beginning of the year when Taylor and, and other running backs, if you recall correctly, Saquon Barkley was trying to get a new deal and an extension in New York. You had the Dalvin Cook situation in Minnesota, and you had pending, obviously, Jacobs with the Raiders. So there were a lot of running backs that were trying to set the precedent on the market value for running backs. And essentially, they were – you know they were they were trying to reset the market and ursay came out with a tweet that said look in terms of the market the structure the contracts the way they work out this was agreed upon by the nfl players association and running backs can't necessarily go against what has been agreed upon in terms of cap space and franchise tagging and everything else you agreed upon it and if players are getting tagged at that position that's just the reality of it but but you guys agreed to it he did i don't i'm i'm fairly certain in this he did not um he did not like single out or specify about taylor no the direct quote from his twitter NFL running back situation. We have negotiated a CBA that took years of effort and hard work and compromise in good faith by both sides. To say now that a specific player category wants another negotiation after the fact is inappropriate. Some agents are selling bad faith. That was in July, but it was right at the heart of Jonathan Taylor also hunting for a contract extension. The argument was made at the time was... Which what I saw Jim Irsay doing, even though he didn't need to do it and probably shouldn't have done it, was he feels like he is one of the owners that has a significant voice around the league. He feels like he is a face of the league and was going to bat for the owners in that particular tweet, which again, I don't think he really needed to do, but it lacked the foresight and the awareness optically to understand how it might upset your running back who was asking kind of for the same thing. But he didn't directly come after Jonathan Taylor. Indirectly, though, he kind of did. Uh, hey, Jake, do we go through this again in four years with Anthony Richardson? No, because you pay quarterbacks. If they're worth it, you pay them. I mean, that's right, right? I mean, There's they're going to extend him. They're going to give him whatever. Assuming that he's healthy and, is, and continues on the trajectory he's on, Anthony Richardson is going to get paid whatever it is that Anthony Richardson wants to get paid. 239-1070. Other Aaron on line one. What's up, Aaron? 
Hey, Jake. Uh, just wanted to weigh in a little bit on the fan perspective. I mean, I think we can go back and forth both ways as far as uh, rights and wrongs on on both parties. I don't I don't think the Colts handled it perfect. I don't think Jonathan Taylor handled it perfect. But as a fan, we want to see the best Colts out there. We got to be cheering him on on Sunday. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I think, and let's be real, Aaron, if there are any boos towards Jonathan Taylor, and I'm not encouraging that by any stretch, but if, if there are any, I think it's like a temporary, just like, hey, I don't approve of the way, it would be kind of like this, like, boo, I don't like what you did in terms of like taking too long to get out there, but hey, I'm glad to see you. Good luck. And we will see you do well. You know, I need you to get you like that kind right. of thing. Does yeah, that make exactly. sense? I mean, like, I think, I think I could see an initial boo just to let, for people to be able to, for the first time, express that they don't like the way it all went down but then a cheer to say however we still welcome you back does that make sense i get where you're coming from uh yeah i do are you going to the game i wish i was we're fall break so i'm taking the kid out of town for the weekend oh where are you going where are you going uh down to kentucky lake going fishing nice all right well enjoy stop at bucky's if you can you know (laughs) yeah absolutely all right aaron i appreciate it by the way aaron are you in the company do you want to be part of the company here aquarium company Absolutely. What, what would you like to be? Are you the you're the director of uh, fishing and leisure? Does that sound good? That, that sounds like a profession I would love. Okay, well that's your title, Aaron. What is your what is your profession in the everyday world? Construction. Okay. Uh, would you like to be director of construction or director of fishing and leisure? You have your choice. <laughs> I'll take fishing and leisure. All right, there you go. There we go, Aaron. <laughs> I appreciate it. The director of fishing and leisure for the company. Um, look. Do I think he's going to play? Sunday? I still don't think he's going to play Sunday, but I, I feel I feel better. I mean, obviously it's trending towards. I can't remember. Did we put a PBR wager on it? No, we just made a prediction to Robin the genie for all that okay. sweet sweet cash on Monday morning. <laughs> Rob, Robin the genie. By the way, zero chance he's actually going to deliver you your million dollars. Exactly. Correct. He, you know he, that, right? he, I know. He referenced the Titans. Uh, special teams announced from the tunnels this week. So, uh, unless Taylor's returning kicks. <laughs> creative way to get out of that deal right maybe, tinfoil, maybe, tinfoil maybe, hat time. maybe that's your tinfoil hat there defense, right jimmy i mean defense was the last uh group that was announced on sunday so you could see some uh luke rhodes action oh hey people can applaud the the four and a half million dollar contract that was given right is that commonplace around the league by the way What's i realize that? you probably don't know the answer to that so it's more rhetorical into the audience of announcing in the tunnel giving love to each position group i, I think it is actually okay i think um, because you got to remember, my only other like, well, I've been to a couple other NFL stadiums, but closest to my heart is obviously Kansas City, and I've only really been there for either like a handful of regular season games and playoff games, and usually it's the offense that's getting most of the love. So I didn't know if maybe that's just I just happen to be Jimmy, there in rotation or what. I regret to inform you of this, Jimmy. Sure. As somebody who now most of the the stadiums that I've been to, it's been in a working capacity. Obviously, when I worked in television, you know, I traveled <laughs> with yeah, the Colts, yeah. and then before that with the Rams. Um, and a lot of times, I'll be honest. I mean, before the game, you're kind of getting situated. You're in your zone. I'm, I'm not. You're not watching, focused on who's running out. And yeah. but now that, just my humble opinion, and there have been other stadiums that have entered the fray since my time in traveling with the NFL. But now that Candlestick Stadium is gone in San Francisco and has been replaced by Levi Stadium in Santa Clara or whatever they're calling it this week, now that that stadium's gone, Arrowhead Stadium, which is a fabulous stadium, 
great environment, great crowd, great sight lines, great fan experience. And who cares, including me, I'm putting myself in the category of who cares, Arrowhead Stadium has inherited the throne from Candlestick as the worst press box in the NFL. Okay. Riverfront was up there, but it's gone now. Lucas Oil's not great because, and, and look, it's, it is spacious and it is comfortable and it is a beautiful facility. The press box is seven stories up and really hard to see what's going on without looking at the video boards. But uh, it's temperature controlled. There's food up there. It's free. And in, in, in no way, shape, or form am I complaining about it because we are, you know, it's a privilege to be able to go in there without paying and go to games. And a lot of people would love to be able to say they do that. And I'm grateful for it. But it is a difficult vantage point. It would be hard yeah. to be Matt Taylor, to be honest with you. Who joins us, by the way, at 2 o'clock today, Blaine Bishop, who's also going to be up in that press box coming up on Sunday, the former Cathedral and Ball State star. Of course, played in Super Bowl 34 for the Rams, or excuse me, for the Titans against the Rams. Uh, and he is now the color commentator for the Tennessee Titans radio network. He is going to join us on the program coming up just 40 minutes from now. So we'll get the perspective on the Titans. Because, Jimmy, the reality is, you know, a lot of talk today will be about Jimmy or about um, Jonathan Taylor, but, you know, the Titans are intriguing, right? Because this seemed like an automatic. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, did they kind of dip back into the fountain of youth and find some of that grit that comes off from their head coach, Mike Vrabel, and now all of a sudden is this a game that is not as automatic on Sunday as one expected? It has those feels to it just because of how well they handled Cincinnati and the already known thought around the Titans that they are always a tough out that it's like with our car analogy on this race to try to win the South that the Titans with Vrabel in the driver's seat are in this Mad Max style car with just blades coming out of the windows and everything and it's just I don't want to go near that car it might take me out then they kind of crumble a little bit to the start of this season and they have a bounce back performance against Cincinnati who might just be bad because of Burrow's injury, because they're out of sync offensively. My biggest fear, and this has been the fear for the Titans when you have them on the schedule, since Mike Vrabel has been there, is A, his defenses are going to be tough, and B, Derrick Henry is a human wrecking ball, and I'm monitoring the injury report as close as I can to see what, if anything, is going to be indicated for how available DeForest Buckner would be, because yes, they're a better defense with him there out there all around, but they are especially Jake as was documented on Sunday, as has been documented in the past, a much better stout run defense, particularly up front when he's out there. No DeForest Buckner or DeForest Buckner on a pitch count like he was on Sunday. Recipe for disaster. By the way, uh, the other big storyline in Indianapolis yesterday it came to a conclusion. So there are actually two storylines in Indianapolis that were sweeping the city uh, that have come to a conclusion here in the last Winter dog hours. announcers. Thank you, Eddie, for that. Uh, German Fest. I said Oktoberfest. German Fest on Saturday from one until five, just in front of the Anthenium. Uh, Lindsay Monroe from thirteen. Uh, she and I will be calling the Wiener Dog races over, which is really the highlight of my year. I call the Indy Five Hundred secondary to the Wiener Dog races, and I'm not kidding you. It's fabulous fun. But um, the Momo was that his name? Yes, Momo, Momo has been captured. Momo the monkey was uh, on the and that. Listen, this guy. This is what I like about Momo the monkey. If you're if you're if you're unfamiliar with it, and I can't imagine you are. Yesterday, all of a sudden, videos are popping all over the place about this rare monkey, um, like truly an exotic pet monkey. That he for the second time now. This is the second time Momo's done this, and I kind of get it. Right? He's like, look, I, I get it. You're 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 creating like 
popular TikTok videos of me wearing diapers and eating Lay's potato chips. Like, to hell with this. I want out of here. So he, he, he breaks out, and then there were videos all over the place of him running around the neighborhood, and, and somebody said he broke into a house and was drinking a beer. And, and I'm like, well, that's cool. I mean, you know what I mean? Who doesn't want to do that? And hopping on cars and really creating quite a stir. And people, could, you know, and of course, don't be a hero, right? People want to go out, don't be a hero. And eventually they found uh, Animal Care and the police department assisted and they captured him. And he's being held at Animal Care during a home inspection to make sure that the home is uh, viable for him to return. Clearly it's not. This is the second time he's broken out, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it ain't Alcatraz. <laughs> They need to do something about their security system over there. They have a ring doorbell where they can find out what Momo's doing during the day. Uh, you need Con Air level security yeah. for for Momo or something. I mean, I, listen, we can you can get into an entire thing here about whether or not someone should be allowed to have like an exotic, rare pet like that that probably requires a little but i don't know i mean i don't know these people i don't know all i know is i got a monkey and every once in a while the monkey goes crazy and goes out and does meth and runs around the neighborhood thank goodness it wasn't a tiger yeah you imagine <laughs> right there, there were reports that he bit a few people and i'm like of course he did he's a monkey on the loose <laughs> what would you do right i mean somebody if you're a monkey on the loose and all you know is that you actually need to be out like in the african desert somewhere and instead you got you're living with somebody that's giving you huggy diapers and a lays potato chips yeah i'd probably be a little defensive if you came to try to get me to go back also right don't back momo in a corner jake <laughs> don't do it <laughs> that's right that is exactly right uh blame bishop gonna come up in about 35 minutes here from tennessee when we come back I'm going to kind of recap for you exactly what has taken place here with Jonathan Taylor and how we got to this point, because it's elaborate, but really, in reality, kind of simple. I'll explain next. I bet Tom Allen likes this song, at least the beginning of it, right? (laughs) I would agree. Halfway past 12 o'clock, Jake Query here along with Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison, Blaine Bishop going to join us in 30. Jonathan Taylor spoke today. We're going to play that for you in just a second, but quickly, let me get For those that are not familiar with it, get you up to speed on where we are and how we got here. For example, uh, Jake, my question is, how in the world did we get here? Don't be surprised if Jonathan Taylor wants out. I think maybe he did. Agreed. Here's what took place. Okay? Jonathan Taylor knows that he is getting ready to enter the final year of his contract. I'm going back to like we're speaking as if we're in August here, okay? And he sees other running backs that are doing the same and are wanting to get a contract extension, but instead are getting franchise tagged. Franchise tag, for those unfamiliar, means that the team who has a player under contract can elect to continue for one year that player's contract, add a year to the end of the contract, so long as it pays the average of the top five paid players at that position. And so therefore the player does not have the ability to go into free agency if they choose to go to another team. And just in the interest of clarity for Jonathan Taylor's standpoint, and it's happened before to other running backs, you can do that up to three times for any one player. Very rarely does it happen a third time, but each time you do it, I think it's like a one of the number in front of me, like 110% increase the previous year's salary. Like there's a significant payoff to doing it, but it's a one year rental contract versus a multi year deal you'd have to make anyway. Correct. And I don't believe 
Yes, it is three years is the maximum number of times you can do that. So Jonathan Taylor knew that hypothetically the Colts could hold on to him for entering this year four seasons. One, two, three, four. Although financially very unlikely. So Taylor went out and decided that as his as is his option. He looked at Shaq Leonard, who was given an extension while hurt from the Colts. He looked at Quentin Nelson, who was given an extension while coming off surgery from the Colts. He looked at Naeem Hines, who was given an extension before his contract expired, albeit he ended up getting traded. And so he thought he also should, based on his performance, be given an extension before his contract expires. And the Colts, looking at A, the what they deem to be the value of running back, B, the money that they need to free up elsewhere, and C, in addition to that, the the fact that they could franchise tag him, they wanted to hold off on giving him said extension. That created in Jonathan Taylor, understandably so, going into the year, um, a, a feeling of discomfort. And so he actively sought new agent representation and decided after a thorough search of agents to go with the agent that represents Shaquille Leonard and got Shaq Leonard his extension. And in addition to that, in an agent that apparently – let it be known to Taylor that during negotiations he would not be afraid to play hardball against the Colts. So when Taylor reported, he let the Colts know that if they were unsure about whether or not they wanted to actually give him an extension, he was unsure whether or not, in fact, his ankle felt okay. They told him that he could go on the physically unable to perform list. He then informed them that, well, actually, my back is bothering me as well. I tweaked it during workouts in Arizona. And the Colts said, oh, okay, well, that's a non-football injury. So if you want to go that route and come up with another injury that we can't quantify how hurt you are, because with an ankle they can do MRIs and other such things, a back you can't. So if you want to be so vague about the injury as to play hardball of your line in the sand, then we'll let you know that a non-football injury gives us, by the NFL Players Association, agreement it gives us the right to then put you on the non-football injury list which means we don't have to pay you this year and your contract then is delayed and paused for another year so taylor said well i okay my back feels better and then they said he said but i would like to be traded he met with jim ursay and he let him know i would like to be traded the colts then in my opinion played chess instead of checkers and they said you know what <clears throat> We are giving you the right to seek a trade. Now, what the Colts did in that regard is they basically publicly stated, we would be willing to trade Jonathan Taylor, but we want a first-round pick at minimum in return. There were no offers. Jonathan Taylor and his agent were not able, after his agent hypothetically or theoretically was making phone calls feverishly, to find a team to take on Jonathan Taylor and give him an extended contract that he desired knowing that the Colts wanted a first-round pick in exchange, they were unable to find anybody that was willing to make that deal. The Colts then had tangible proof and evidence to Jonathan Taylor and his representation of, look, we now know for a fact that by league precedent and league market value, as wonderful a player as you are, you are not seen around the league as somebody who is worth a first-round pick. And thus, we don't feel it necessary to pay you as such. Now, I don't want us to revisit this because you and I eventually reach common ground, but you and I disagree slightly on 
the fairness of the Colts doing that when, in fact, nobody was going to offer a first-round pick for a running back in the first place, but your overall point is they were just trying to that illustrate was Jonathan Taylor, he's not that worth first-round money. Correct. That was right. the point. Right. They were, they were trying to – they were – in other words, you can tell somebody – like, you can tell somebody – you want to go date other people? Fine. You're not going to find anybody as good looking as me. You're not going to find anybody that makes as much money as I do. And you're not going to find anybody that treats you more like a queen. You want to go see other people? Do it. Fine. Have at. And you're running that risk knowing that then you can go to Broderpool and Mass Ave all you want. You're not going to find anybody better than I. And then you can, then that person comes back and goes, you know what? You're right. Okay. Then then you work it out, right? Right. That, that's, that's exactly what they were doing, Jimmy. They were saying to Jonathan Taylor, fine. If you can find a trade, we're not opposed to that. But they were, and they would have taken probably if if somebody would have said, "We'll give you two first rounders, or we'll give you a first rounder and Justin Jefferson." Sure, hell yeah, let's do it. They that was never going to happen. Yeah. They knew it was never going to happen. Yep. So Jonathan Taylor and his representation, after exhausting every effort, then figured out, you know what, we really don't have any leverage here. Yep. We exhausted Jonathan. What you're seeing right now is a guy that is reporting, not reporting, but comes off the pup list and is tail between the legs coming back to his team because he realized he had nowhere else to go. Right. That's that's exactly what you're seeing. So he talked to the media today. Question is for Jonathan Taylor is this, and that is Jonathan Taylor, after you have gone on the physically unable to perform list because you said your ankle was bothering you because you were unhappy at camp and you were kind of sulking at camp, and I'm not saying that he's in the wrong. I'm not. I get it. This is one of those situations where I totally see both sides clearly. But one side had leverage and the other did not. Both have valid points. Both have valid concerns. Only one had leverage. Jonathan Taylor did not have leverage. But the question is, is he coming back to play because he realizes he doesn't have leverage? Or is he coming back to play because he's committed to the Indianapolis Colts? I don't think it matters on if I'm saying I'm committed or not because I'm here. I mean, if somebody wasn't committed, they wouldn't be here. Um, and, and right now, I'm here, and my my number one goal is to really attack this first practice. It's been over 290 days, I believe. I mean, I mean, when you're when you're not doing what you love, you're gonna you're gonna notice it. Um, so it's been over 290 days. So my main goal has been to attack this first day. Yesterday was a walkthrough, so today is the I guess second first day. Okay, now, and again, nice guy. I have nothing against Jonathan Taylor. I totally understand and respect where he's coming from. With all of that said, that is basically the in-season weekly approach that is the equivalent and same of Marshawn Lynch at the Super Bowl saying, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Yeah. Right? Pretty much carbon copy, but his own version of it because he's not going to address any contract issues. He's not going to address any trading issues. He's here to play, and he made that clear multiple times within that press conference despite many attempts to get him to not necessarily take bait, but to speak on the issue of, hey, remember that time when you said you wanted to be traded? Remember that time when you were fighting for a contract? Is that all done now? And he points to it as an offseason issue, which, I mean, again, that's that's a great – I applaud his entire – agency i applaud his representation whether or maybe he just came up with it on his own and if he did i applaud jonathan taylor that is the exact right way to avoid stepping further in controversy while also committing to play for the Indianapolis colts this year yeah i don't think anybody and i'm i'm kind of speaking for you here jimmy i guess but but i think you'll agree with me i don't think anybody thinks he's a bad guy no i don't you know 
I'm going to go back to what I've said from day one on this deal. It is rare. Like, they probably do 30 for 30s about them. There's, it's so rare. It is rare in sports that two teams make a trade where both teams, it works beautifully. Yeah. Usually one team fleeces another, right? Or an overpay happens. Exactly. Yes. The Pacers and Kings trade that sent Domas Sabonis to Sacramento and brought Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton, well, Jeremy Lamb was there when as well, and brought Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton back to Indiana. A year later, the Pacers are thrilled with Tyrese Halliburton. Who wouldn't be, right? Great player, great personality. They gave him the big contract. He's here for a while. Buddy Heald, great guy, great shooter. They got to figure out what they're going to do with them. We talked to Chad Buchanan about that yesterday. That audio is available, by the way, on the website, and it's a, it was 30 minutes, I thought, of really compelling stuff from the general manager of the Pacers. Query and company, but, wherever you get your podcasts. There you go. Yeah. That, that's how everywhere it's available, right? Anywhere you get your podcast. Or you can always go to the website as well, uh, YouTube, fan, yep. and, and just watch it. But um, either way, Pacers are thrilled. Kings made the playoffs. Sacramento's invested again in, in their team. Sabonis was a big part of it. It freed up De'Aaron Fox. Worked out beautifully for Sacramento. Worked out beautifully for Indiana. Awesome. They are high. Right now, they're the palms of the Indiana Pacers and the palms of the Sacramento Kings are meeting right now somewhere over Nebraska because they are reaching out and high fiving one another. They're still sending gift baskets to each other. They're inviting to each other's weddings. Worked out great for both. Now, in this case, it is so rare, so rare that a player standoff with franchise is an equally compelling argument for both. And it is. I totally get where Chris Ballard and the Colts are coming from. I totally get where Jonathan Taylor's coming from. And I don't think that either one of them is angry at the other until Jim Mercer sent the tweet for fans to understand where the Colts were coming from and Jonathan Taylor took it personally, or his representation did. 239-1070 is the telephone number. Jesse joins us. Jesse, what's up? Hey, uh, it's JP. Sorry. JP? Yes, sir. Okay. I J- love listening to you. I've been listening to you for a long time when, when you're calling IndyCar races on the IndyCar Radio Network and um, love your aquarium company show. I appreciate it, JP. What, what line of work are you in, JP? I'm actually a farmer. Really? What Do you have, do you have livestock? No, I grow um, corn and soybeans and wheat. Now, let me ask you this before we get to the Taylor question, because I'm curious about this. This time of year, when I see the combines taking out like the the dead corn, right? The the dehydrated. Where does that go? Does that become feed, or does it become what, what do you do with that? So it, it could go many different places. It could go to make ethanol. It could go to a feed mill to feed chickens and cows. Just or, the leaves. I mean, not not the corn. Right. Just the leaves, like the the old the dried out stalks. Where do they they go oh. for ethanol? They know. They just go back on the ground, decompose, and help feed the soil. Gotcha. Perfect. Okay. And, and your farm is where, JP? Pendleton. Can I come visit your farm sometime? I my, In my next life, I want to be a farmer. I want to have eight rescue dogs and one cow. <laughs> hey, if you want to come out and, and visit, you're welcome to. I'm, I'm serious. Just, uh, when we when we get done with this call, Eddie, I want you to put JP on hold, and I want to come out to the farm. I've even got boots. Do I need my boots? Sure. All you right. Bring your boots, and we can ride in the combine. Does oh, we can, wait, wait, we can ride the combine? Yeah. Oh, hell yes. That's what I'm talking about. See, NFL Combine wouldn't let me in without my credential. Your Combine, I don't even need a credential, right? Just boom. Nope. It's got a seat right there. Hell yes. Uh, I'm coming next week. I'm, I'm being totally serious. I'm coming next week, JP. What's your And Eddie, get his info when we're done here. But JP, what's your Colts thought? Jonathan Taylor. 
yeah, so I, I personally think that Jonathan Taylor, like you said earlier, he's he's out of options, and he's only coming back and towing the line right now so he can show other teams that, hey, I'm a good player, I'm, I'm a worthwhile asset, and he's just trying to help his trademark. I don't think he wants to be with the Colts long-term. I think he's burned his bridges with, with the Colts management and Jim Mercy in particular. Yeah, I would agree. that. Now, let me ask you this, JP. You're not a junior by chance, are you? No, sir. Okay, because if JP was calling in to JQ and he was a JR to talk about JT, it would have blown my mind, right? I would have needed a JS and something. Um, but, Eddie, get his information because I'm going to the farm. I Does agree. Is him the uh, director of agriculture? What's, yeah, he is. Uh, okay. That's the second director of agriculture, though, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have at least one already. You know what he is. You know what he is. Chief Combine. There we go. There it is. Chief Combine Operator. Yeah. CC. Yeah. CCO, right? Chief yep. Combine Operator. Yep. Um, I, I would agree with JP in that regard that, look, this comes down to, you know, ta- at this point, I think Taylor's realizing he probably feels the Colts have used him, but he also probably feels like it's time for him to use the Colts back. Blaine Bishop in 15 minutes. Big 10 schedules are out. We'll get you caught up on that. And what I mean by that is like the the games that are going to be played in like eight years. But it is interesting because it incorporates all of the new faces, right? Yes. A whole shakeup of the conference realignment is in play. How, how many like how many years straight? Because obviously I think people think like, oh, you know, Purdue's going to be playing at UCLA every year. And it's like, it's probably going to be like every four years or something. We'll, we'll get into it coming up uh, a little bit later in the program. But it is interesting. I would imagine like UCLA, for example, is going to play a lot of, you know, uh, UCLA is having real problems getting anybody to come to their games. And that's going to change because it's going to be like the Raiders playing in Las Vegas. I mean, if you live in Madison, Wisconsin, or you live in Champaign, <laughs> Illinois, or you're a diehard fan, of, I mean, who wouldn't want to go see their team play in the Rose Bowl? And I don't mean the bowl game. I mean the stadium itself. Uh, pretty cool. But we'll get into that a little bit later because that was just released. Uh, on the program, 239-1070, let's get – now, this is amazing. We had JP, right? Yep. I, I'm I'm JQ. We were talking about JT and Jonathan Taylor, and this is JR. And I'm JC, so, I mean, we got everybody covered, right? That's right. Uh, JR, what's up? What's up, Jake? Love the show. Been listening to you for a long time. How how often do people reference J.R. Ewing to you? About uh, eight days a week. (laughs) (laughs) I bet, right? Anyway, what's going on, man? Good to talk to Uh, you. Jonathan Taylor, uh, I think, I really honestly believe, and I'm an eternal optimistic person, that he realizes his mistakes. He's going to come back. He's going to play. He's got a sidekick in Zach Moss and Anthony Richardson to take the constant pounding off of him. And I think he realizes this situation with Richardson could prolong his career. So I think you're going to see him take less money and stay here. All of that, JR, here's the thing. That's assuming that the Colts are willing to sign him. And I would think they are because he is a younger back. I go back to, and I appreciate the call, JR, um, I, I go back to when the Colts had Marshall Falk and they traded him because they wanted – it wasn't even – money was an issue a little bit because they knew they had to free up some stuff because they knew they had something in Peyton Manning who was a rookie. But they wanted a running back whose prime would coincide and the timing would be there that they could get multiple years out of the running back position with Peyton Manning's prime. And they got that with Edron James. And then, obviously, in James's case, when the time came, they – went ahead and let him go, and they drafted Joseph Adai. 
again, different regime, different era. Totally understand it. Um, I don't disagree with you that Jonathan Taylor is going to have probably more opportunity for open lanes, so to speak, than he has previously. But it, it is still, in the end, a business and a personal one. And I think more often than not, 99.9% of the time, a player is going to go where he gets the biggest contract. Pretty much plain, plain and simple. But um, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Going to be more weapons around him probably. And Zach Moss has been a nice player for him. Kudos to Zach Moss. He's been a nice player. Blaine Bishop, by the way, legend at Cathedral. Played at Ball State. Played for the Titans. Does their radio network. Joins us next. Of course, the Colts will be staying home. It's a staycation for them, but we're going to take the road trip. Pack them in the car right now. I'm going to take some chili cheese Fritos. Eddie, what are you getting? I'll probably get some of the munchies that have the pretzels. Oh, and I know. The, you had the munchies since you yep, went to Colorado. Right? Yep, totally. Okay, Jimmy, what are you taking? Give me the barbecue twist Fritos. All right, barbecue oh, those twist are good. Fritos. Not bad. I'll have to bring some Altoids for all of us after the fact. <laughs> uh, but in our road trip and heading down to Nashville right now to talk to the guy who is, of course, as I had mentioned, a legend at Cathedral High School in Ball State before his fine NFL career that spent the majority of that with the Houston Oilers, the Tennessee Oilers, all that means the Tennessee Titans, including Super Bowl Thirty Four. Blaine Bishop joins us now, who does radio for the Titans in Nashville. Blaine, first off, thanks for your time. Welcome home, right? Oh, yeah, no doubt about it, man. I appreciate it, man, being on in my hometown of Indianapolis, Indiana, man. It's a joy. A lot of friends and family there, I'm sure, are tuning in. <laughs> all right, so who's the first person you want to say hi to? Oh, man. Well, I mean, there's a laundry list of people there, but uh, naturally, I got to say, I don't want to say all names, but all my family that lived there, uh, you know, throughout all my aunts and uncles and everybody else. So, yeah, not just picking one. That means I have a favorite, so I can't do that. So I'm going to say hi to all the Bishop crew there, as well as uh, Indianapolis and uh, Cathedral and Ball State. I will allow you to say hi to any Cathedral Fighting Irish member except for Noble Duke because he absolutely carved up North Central in basketball and he was like 5'8 and it still angers me. <laughs> Noble Duke may be the best athlete at that height I've ever witnessed. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. I mean, the dude ran circles around Eric Montross and he's 5'8, right? Unbelievable. Yeah, he probably put up 30, but uh, he, started, <laughs> he, he started as a freshman on, on varsity as a football player and wide receiver. And, man, I'm going to say this. I don't know. I probably faced some guys just as talented as him. And uh, if he would have stuck with it, he, he would have been a heck of a, a NFL wide receiver, man. He was He was phenomenal. Well, I'll tell you what, Blaine, uh, to transition to the NFL, obviously, and the reason we have you here to talk about the Tennessee Titans, because you and I, I could talk Cathedral and North Central stuff with you until the cows come home, but uh, this is an intriguing matchup to me, and I'll tell you why, and I want you to tell me why I'm wrong. At the beginning of the year, I felt like the Titans perhaps were a franchise, not unlike Indianapolis, that was trying to kind of reinvent itself, but because of aging position players, they potentially were going to regress. And yet it looks like they're coming in, maybe putting things together more than I thought, and they're not ready to throw in the towel. Uh, did, was this like a, a one-game anomaly, or did Mike Vrabel kind of reawaken some things here? Well, uh, I think from Vrabel's perspective, I think he thought coming into the season they were retooling, and that's why they kept Tannehill and King Henry – uh, and Bayard and those guys because he felt like uh, he still can be competitive with those guys even as though they're aging or in their contracts are coming to an end. Uh, so they thought they would put some pieces around them that can continue the winning ways and, and maybe uh, still have a shot of winning the AFC South. I think that was his approach. 
but I'm not sure that that's going to, you know, actually work. We shall see. Everybody's in the middle of the road now, but uh, I think it's a week-to-week league now, and whoever you have healthy, not depending on how young you are as far as your talented positions and quarterback position, uh, I think it's up for grabs. Are the Titans still essentially Blaine Bishop? Um, And I know that he got off to kind of a slow start, but I just think the world of his talent and his ability to carry a game, are they still essentially defined by and running behind which Derrick Henry is going to, you know, whether or not Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry? Is that their identity still? I think that was a big question early in the season, and we're still in the, you know, we just passed the first quarter. But it's hard to say because the offense is evolving under Tim Kelly, who's the new OC. And I think they're trying to now use Henry when needed to close out games and, uh, you know, a physical game that's a close, tight game. But if it's a wide-open game, I think they have the flexibility now to open it up and throw it around the yard, I would call. Uh, So I think they're kind of in, you know, a a position where they're in the middle and he still can impact games for sure. And I think they still want that to be the identity and the way they want games to go. But they're not backed into a corner to be like, that's all we are. Uh, So they're going to be a physical dominating run offense. But I think they throw it. They try to be 50-50 now for sure. Blaine Bishop is our guest. Nice enough to take some time with us here on Query and Company. Blaine, I asked this nationally, and I want to get the question and answer from you locally as well, covering the Titans. For you, did you learn more about where the Tennessee Titans can be and are going this year after the win over Cincinnati? Or did you learn more about where Cincinnati might be going as a franchise as Joe Burrow continues to battle his injury? <laughs> That's a great question because I think the fan base will say, oh, no, we're going in this direction, which is in a positive direction. I don't think the Bengals with Burrow having limitations uh, with the calf injury really could display. I mean, he didn't really throw the ball down the field vertically very much at all. Uh, and the Titans, you got to give credit, they got after him, but had a great game plan. Uh, so I, I'm not sure if we really know what the Tennessee Titans are right now. I think it's going to still take a couple games. I think we'll find out this game, the Ravens game, which is in London, and then they have a bye. And then I think that'll tell us what this team really is at that point. Uh, So I think this is a signature game uh, for the Titans uh, versus an AFC uh, South opponent. Blaine, if you were still at Cathedral High School and you had to give a a 60-minute symposium on defining who a team is, and your choices were you had to speak for 60 minutes on who the Tennessee Titans are or 60 minutes on who the Indianapolis Colts are. Which one's the harder assignment right now? Ooh. Well, I haven't covered the Colts as much as you guys have. Uh, So naturally, I I think, (laughs) man, forming the identity of what the Colts are, I, I would say, Man, it's yet to be determined with this quarterback they have, Richardson, who was my number one quarterback on my board when I did my scouting report. And if the Titans were going to go after a quarterback, that was the one I wanted. And, you know, everybody was talking about, oh, he only started so many games and everything else. Not only his ability, but also what's in between his eyeballs. And that is his intelligence of the game and his commitment to the game. And to me, that determines how well you will be in this league, not just on your talents. We've seen talented players fail all over the place. But if they are serious about their craft and have a knowledge and understanding of what they're trying to do, I think uh, it can be something special. So identity of the Colts are, I would say, where Richardson goes and how fast he goes and gets there. 
will determine how well the Colts are. I think the uh, the Titans is more based around their offensive line, which is up and down like a roller coaster, which makes everything really the unknown. So I, I think it's built around the Titans' offensive line and their success or not. And this might be the same answer, Blaine. Blaine Bishop is our guest on the hotline. So uh, aside from offensive line, let's say, if I took that one out, give me an area of the Tennessee Titans – that Mike Vrabel, when he lays down tonight, is going to think to himself, I really hope the Colts have not figured out that we are softer or more vulnerable in that area than they may realize. That kind of hidden area of vulnerability of the Tennessee Titans is where? Well, I would say it would be the cornerbacks and, and giving up explosive plays. This last game, they didn't give up any against Chase and, and crew. Higgins got injured. Uh, but before that, there were four or five plays a game in the first three games that they gave explosive plays. It was like, man, how are we going to win any games if the corners keep giving up explosive plays like this? I mean, I know the position's really hard athletically, the hardest in the NFL, uh, but I, I would say that, the explosive plays by the cornerbacks. In terms of Anthony Richardson, Blaine, I'm going to bring up a comparison of a guy that you knew well. You probably know where I'm going with this. And I want to be clear here. I'm not saying it, you know, they're 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 big, durable guys that could run. And I'm talking about Steve McNair, who I thought was obviously a fine player. I mean, an MVP level player for the Titans, but it took a while, right? I mean, in the early year or years of McNair, it was, man, I mean, I know this guy can make plays and has the potential, but it seemed like he was pretty committed to it. Is there any comparison at all uh, in terms of a forecast of what Richardson could become by looking at the career of Steve McNair? Whoa, man, you know, the late great McNair. Well, I I don't know the dynamics of uh, Richardson as far as his toughness. I think that's where I put McNair on a whole other plane. He he played through some things that, man, very questionable for me. Uh, I thought it took him longer. People forget, you know, he he was actually originally an oiler, and it took him longer to get on the field like three years than expected. So Richardson, a different era, different time, with all the seven-on-seven quarterbacks being developed and they play sooner than later. Different deal. I would say uh, Richardson's ceiling is probably a little bit higher uh, than McNair. He may not have gotten the hype that McNair uh, got when he came out with being Air McNair and you know Sports Illustrated covers and all those things. Uh, but just his running ability, McNair wasn't a four-four guy. He was a big old country strong guy uh, who could you know play running back if he needed to. Uh, Richardson can do the same, but I think he's a little more talented in uh, his uh, his arm. I would say he's he's a little more gifted. In terms of the quarterback position of the Tennessee Titans, let's just say for the sake of argument, Blaine, I mean, you never wish this on a player, but if Ryan Tannehill in a game was not able to go, is definitively now Willis the guy they turn to or is Will Levis kind of waiting in the wings? Which one ultimately do you think becomes the heir apparent? Well, as of today, the heir apparent, I, I think it's going to be Will Levis. But he got injured in preseason, couldn't finish. So he really hasn't even dressed for games, but here or there early on right now because I, I don't know if he's fully healthy or not. It was something with a quad or, I don't know, hamstring or something. So right now, I would say Willis developed this offseason and coming into preseason – 
much better. He was a better player and a better quarterback. Last year, I couldn't determine even if he was an NFL backup. Now, this year in preseason and offseason going to their practice, he's definitely proven to me that he is a backup in this league. Last year, no. So I think the plan is for Will Levis to be the heir apparent, but Will Levis hasn't even beat out uh, Malik Willis yet. Blaine Bishop is our guest of the Titans Radio Network. Nice enough to take a few minutes with us here on Aquarian and Company. Blaine, for the second time in the last three years in an offseason, the Titans decided to go to the veteran wide receiver route. A couple years ago, it was Julio Jones. This time, it's DeAndre Hopkins. From afar, we've been critical of Ryan Tannehill. There's a clear ceiling of what he can do as a quarterback, but also they're asking a lot out of veteran wideouts to get back to wide receiver one caliber. Hopkins is leading the team in receiving yards this year. No, he doesn't have a touchdown reception just yet. From your observation, what DeAndre Hopkins have the Titans had this year? Is it a back end, but still wide receiver one caliber weapon? Or has he been closer to where Julio Jones finished things out with Tennessee? Uh, well, I could say this as far as my analogy of when I'm going after a better receiver on last or two years ago with with Julio Jones, I, I was not a big fan of that one because his game is built on athleticism. And as you age, your athleticism loses and then you start having breakdowns and, you know, muscular issues uh, as far as hamstring, calves, and everything else. Uh, so I wasn't a big fan of that, and I, w- I was very vocal about that. But the D-hop, I am because his game translates even as you get older. He is a possession receiver who can also beat you deep, who runs great routes and has fantastic hands. So that translates to longer longevity in the National Football League as a player. So I thought this move was uh, much more – uh, I, I guess I agreed with it much more than the Julio Jones uh, deal. So yeah, I think he's done everything that they expected out of him. Have the no early re- have the early returns on him been satisfactory to that point with what Coach Vrabel wants out of this Titans offense? I would I would agree. Yes, of course, mm-hmm. it ha- absolutely. Blaine, I realize that you aren't specifically involved in this particular situation I'm just going to bring up, but I want kind of the NFL player perspective, okay? Uh, you played in the league. You played for two different franchises, but you know the majority of them obviously with the Oilers slash Titans. But the Colts situation with Jonathan Taylor, I mean, as you know, Jonathan Taylor wanted an extension, didn't get it, missed camp due to a and I'm doing air quotes, ankle injury that, that hung over from last year. Now he's off pup, and he is coming back into the locker room. Hey, guys, here I am. Zach Moss has played well for them, quite frankly. Did you ever have a situation w- like that with a teammate that went through a contractual situation where they missed kind of the dog days of camp and they weren't going through the things that you were, and then suddenly they show up in the locker room? Can it be a distraction what is the locker room mentality when a player comes back from that well i think uh contractual issues with every individual players i think in the national football league and probably in most sports is a separate entity of everything else so if a guy holds out or you know doesn't uh, show up when camp is and, and comes at the end i think that's on a personal issue that you don't hold against a player. That's just my take. And now I'm taking that from my own personal experience. I was franchise tagged when we moved to Tennessee. I did not show up until three days before the first 
game of the season and when I finished and getting and getting a contract solidified. Uh, so I don't know all the particulars of all the things that went involved and if he was injured, how long he was injured and all those things. And uh, you just see what you read in the paper and half of that stuff, you know, you, you probably say is somewhat true and then some of it is not. Uh, so I, I would say players let other players deal with their personal. It's no different than an off-the-field issue. Uh, and a contract is an off-the-field issue, and if he doesn't feel like he's getting what he deserves, that's on him. I think the players welcome uh, you back into the locker room as quickly as possible as soon as you're back on the football field, and he shows that I'm Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> How long does it take to get back into like playing shape? I mean, I say playing shape. I don't even mean necessarily physically, Blaine, but just – does even somebody as great as Jonathan Taylor and with the vision of Jonathan Taylor and the speed of Jonathan Taylor, when you haven't been out in game or practice action for that long, how long does it take for your brain to catch back up to all that is involved in the process and everything that goes into it? Uh, I think that's all individually for each player, but running backs typically can transition sooner than later. And when I say that, it means if they put him back out there, if he's in decent shape, he can get used to you got to worry about ball security when you're running back and you haven't been getting hit. You can be in shape all you want to, but until you start getting that contact and start having that reaction time or making cuts and, and it's just like second nature, I think it probably could take him a quarter or two and then he'll be back to Jonathan Taylor, I, I, the running back position. Now, if it was a quarterback, a little different deal. Running back, I think he can adjust pretty quickly. When teams are scouting the Tennessee Titans, Blaine Bishop is our guest. When teams are scouting the Tennessee Titans, the hope for years has been you can't stop Derrick Henry. You can only hope to contain him like any great player before him. That's been the mantra. If the Colts were able to contain Derrick Henry to some extent, where's the other area that opposing scouts should be fearful of the Tennessee Titans, or or is there one? Mm. Well, I would say uh, D-Hop. Uh, he's definitely been a factor in every game, especially moving the chains. Uh, I think half of his catches are for first downs, uh, and he's a problem on the fade route because of his length uh, and his timing. Uh, so I, I would say D-Hop. Other than that, there's nobody who stepped in the forefront. Burks, the first-round receiver, is nicked up again, so he's probably uh, a questionable going into the game. Uh no, no tight end has stepped up out of the way. I thought Chig Conquo would be a little bit more involved in the offense so far. It seems like he's just starting to get revved up a little bit uh, because of his pass-catching ability. Um, but other than that, and, and Ty J. Spears, I, I think he's an explosive player, which they haven't had in, that he can get to top speed in a one step, uh, which is kind of interesting. So I, I want to see him more impactful in the passing game, not just in the running game. I'm interested to see if they continue to grow his role in the offense. Blaine, last question for me is this. Let's say it's the bye week. I think Tennessee's bye week, if I'm not mistaken, is in two weeks. You said you got the Colts, obviously, here, then Baltimore. So you get to come back. You get to do the game here. But then on the bye week, you're like, I'm going to go back home to Indy and spend like three, four days, right? Where's the first place that you're going to dinner? Oh, oh, my. Uh, Is he's downtown? Okay. Nothing wrong with that. Do you get the shrimp cocktail sauce, though? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> no, the best part yeah. is you have somebody with you who's never had the shrimp cocktail sauce. You don't tell them about it, and then you watch them eat the shrimp cocktail sauce, right? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. You got to see it burn. <laughs> <laughs> it does do that. It does do that. Um, again, it's going to be the Colts and the Titans coming up at Lucas Oil Stadium. That's Sunday, 1 o'clock. Blaine Bishop will be on the call for the Titans side of things and, of course, the pride of Indianapolis. I guess I got to leave you by simply saying chirp, chirp, right? Chirp, chirp, ball say, let's get it done, man. We ain't a Deborah Downer right now. We got to get it right. I know. Well, they need you to go up there and fire them up when you're in town. Drive up the Muds, you do a quick fire up, and then head down to the game. But certainly enjoy your time in central Indiana, Blaine. Appreciate you guys having me on, man. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Blaine Bishop on the hotline for our Thursday road trip. Interesting stuff, especially, you know, you forget, Jimmy, when you talk about the Titans. You know, DeAndre Hopkins is special. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Now, he fell in the draft a little bit, if you remember, because he left poo on the wall, supposedly. Remember that? Yes. And then they found out that was actually supposedly his roommate. Right. I also would say it's my roommate. It might have been It might have been Momo, right? Who they <laughs> Doesn't that sound like something that when the monkey's on the lamb, he probably was flinging poo everywhere? Don't they do I, that I think kind of that's thing? on the bingo card, yeah. No <laughs> doubt. Along with supposedly breaking into... He, Momo was garage hopping, right? He went into somebody's garage, and Momo is the the, and I know that there's a technical term for the breed of monkey that he is, uh, from the west side of Indianapolis. It was on the loose there for he had about a 16 hour vacation, right? And they found him, and he's he's uh, set to go back home. They're he just a, needed a sabbatical. It's all he, he did. Well, he wanted to get out, and I, and I don't. I mean, in this regard, he just he went out. Somebody saw him in their garage drinking a beer. I don't know how valid that is, but I'm sticking with it as totally valid, right? <laughs> so he did that, and then he was running around. And I don't know if there was any poo flinging, but DeAndre Hopkins, when he, if you recall in the combine, when DeAndre Hopkins came for the NFL combine, and he was a highly touted receiver coming out of college at Clemson. Uh, He was a great player in college. And he was thought to be a first round level receiver. And then the knock came out that after the combine, when he left, his hotel room was left in complete disarray and totally trashed, including poo everywhere and it really i'll be honest i mean it hurt his draft stock after the fact and i think the other player was i want to say from rutgers i i could be wrong in that but at the combine you get basically a potluck roommate and allegedly it was the roommate hopkins apparently was done at the combine like on a thursday and then the guy that he was rooming with had to stay like through Saturday. And when he left on Saturday, the room was totally trashed. And they later determined it happened after Hopkins had left, supposedly. Right. I, who knows, right? Yes. Um, but nonetheless, he's a great player. And I think a lot of people were surprised when he was available. And of course, he ends up in Tennessee. And if you look at what Hopkins has done so far, led them in receiving three of their four games, coming off 63 yard. So, so far on the year, he's got 176 yards receiving over the course of. of uh, well, no, he's got more than that. In the three games where he's led him, it, it adds up to 176 yards. So a, a really good player and a good option. Tannehill is one that you got to give him credit to, though, Jimmy, because how many years have we thought that it was time to put a fork in him? Three in a row? Yeah. That's uh, Steak's pretty overcooked at this point, Jake. They're 28th in passing yards per game, 28th in interception rate. He's being sacked a lot, I will say that. But he's always kind of been a system quarterback, yeah. right? Yeah, but... There's always been, and I've felt this way about Ryan Tannehill since he arrived in Tennessee, and yes, I was happy for him that he's one of the rare instances of a player persevering and failing at one destination as a starter, getting another opportunity, and then taking over the position and and getting paid to do so, and 
living out his dream of being a starting quarterback in the NFL. I'm happy for him in that regard. However, there's always been a ceiling for what that offense can do with him as their quarterback. It's gotten worse and worse every year to the point that, yes, it is. There's one message and one message only for the Colts from a defensive standpoint. It is stop Derrick Henry. If you can do that, your defense should be stout enough to be able to limit what the Titans can attack you with. You know what's interesting about the Titans and the quarterback position? If you look at the like the franchise quarterback, I mean, obviously they carry Collins, right? But McNair was a great player for them for yes. a long time, and Tannehill's been a really good player for them. We talked about the McNair-Richardson comparisons just in terms of the, the sheer body strength and the ability to run the football, the, 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 double, you know, the double weapon there. Tannehill is similar to Richardson in the fact that the big knock on Tannehill coming out of college – was what he only started like 11 games and when he when he comes out in Miami and it's like okay he's okay but he's learning on the job you got to be patient with him and then like when it was over in Miami it was over and he kind of has has rebirthed if you will in Tennessee and I think been a good player but they clearly the Titans have been kind of like the Colts in the fact of wondering where the next franchise quarterback is. The difference being they didn't necessarily go out and just keep re-signing statues every year because they basically had one. They're just writing it out, to your point, as long as they can. They, they tried different Band-Aids, right? Post McNair, Vince Young, Kerry Collins, Matt Hasselbeck, Jake Locker, Ryan Fitzpatrick made his carousel of stops there. Marcus Mariota spends five years there. They've tried almost every different way to patchwork it up until they trade for Ryan Danahill in 2019, and he has stabilized the flood. But again, I and I don't think this is something that would be disagreed upon league-wide. He has been a great fit for them. He stabilized the position, but they were always capped with where they could go because he has a ceiling with what he can do as correct, a quarterback. Correct, but and again, Tennessee, and I love, love, love Derrick Henry, and they've had a lot of success, but what ends up happening, Jimmy, that ceiling that you mentioned is definitely there because their offense is a bit limited. Yeah. And the A.J. Brown thing is, you know, throws a curveball in that as well. But yeah, they didn't do themselves favors there. You know, but he is a, a proof that a, having having a game-changing back behind you does help. Yes. I just don't know that it gets you over the top. Now, the Colts are going to have that game-changing back back, it appears, because Jonathan Taylor spoke today. And we'll let you hear what he had to say, and we'll also preview a couple of years from now, if you are a Purdue or Indiana fan, are you going to get a chance to go out to La La Land to watch your team play? Snap your fingers. A one. A two. Hey, you know, what, you know to what to do in La La Land? We'll let you know about the Big Ten future schedules that came out as well. This movie, by the way, has a cameo appearance in a very, very underrated comedy around, I'm going to say, 05, 06. Road Trip. Perfect, perfectly fitting from our Thursday road trip that we just did. But have you guys seen Road Trip? I don't think I have. No. Who's in it? Ah, see, I knew you were going to ask names. Um, the dude that played Stifler is in it. And then another guy that, like, I think it might have been his only movie that was one of those dudes that's like six foot one and 160 pounds. Brecken Meyer, Sean William Scott. Sean William Scott Stifler. Uh, Amy Smart. Amy Smart, you would know. Rachel Blanchard. Fred Ward. Tom Green. Tom Green. I forgot about Tom Green. He was. Yeah, that was like during the 18 months that he was really relevant. It was great. It was fun, though. Good movie. Um, Jonathan Taylor has spoken. 
If you're just joining us, just before we went on the air today, and how are you, by the way, halfway home here for us on a Thursday, it is Query and Company here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Colts are going to be taking on, of course, the Tennessee Titans, as we just talked about on Sunday. Matt Taylor, who will be on the call, will join us in about 30 minutes, and surely one of the big topics of conversation is going to be that of the Jonathan Taylor, whether he is in, whether he is out. I guess we'll wait to see on that. But Jonathan Taylor, I think all of you know now the situation. We've gone over it a lot. Today was the first day now that he's an active player where, in fact, he did address the media and take questions. One of those questions, I'm going to replay it for all of you right now, is strictly you've held out, now you're here, but how committed are you? Because as Blaine Bishop was just talking about, maybe running back is a position that you go in and the learning curve or the reacclimation is a fraction of what it is for other positions. But you also have to be completely committed towards your craft and everything else. Jonathan Taylor, your thoughts on exactly that? I don't think it matters on if I'm saying I'm committed or not because I'm here. I mean, if somebody wasn't committed, they wouldn't be here. Um, and, and right now, I'm here, and my my number one goal is to really attacked his first practice. It's been over 290 days, I believe. I mean, I mean, when you're, when you're not doing what you love, you're going you're gonna to notice it. Um, so it's been over 290 days, so my main goal has been to attack this first day. Yesterday was a walkthrough, so today is the, I guess, second first day. So that parlays into the natural question, which is, Jonathan Taylor, we will ask you this. Sure, it's not a matter of your commitment, but rather you know going out and focusing on the next practice. That's great. But there's an entire training camp and a lot of practice that you did miss. So what does it mean in terms of the time missed and what that means for your teammates, what it means for fans, and what it means just for overall perceptions now moving forward? Listen, like I said, I'm here right now, and my number one thing is to take care of my teammates. Um, a lot of people worry about what I want, what I want. doesn't matter what necessarily I want. What matters is what this team needs, what this team wants, what this city wants, and what this city needs. And what this city needs is a championship. And, and while I'm here, that's what I'm going to work my tail off to do. That's what I work my tail off to get the opportunity to do. Um, you know, I think when you've been out for a while, you start looking at it and you, you say, man, when you have that opportunity, and I never took it for granted, but even when it's taken away, you still are like, man, that was a great opportunity and I can't wait to have another opportunity. So, um, like I said, I never took it for granted and, at all. Um, so, you know, health comes first. So, let's put this into the translator machine. You know, I'm getting ready to go overseas. I'll use Google Translate a lot. It's fascinating. You write, you, you say something into it, and then it tells you in the, it tells you in the other language, right? Yes. I did the Google Translate on that. I, I I played. I held my phone up to the speaker, and I and I let it spit out the translation of what that means. Okay. And this is what it means. Google Translate has translated it for me, and it said the following: Look. I probably aired here. I wanted a contract extension because I thought, based on precedent, I should have gotten one because other guys got one when they were either hurt or when there was question about what they could bring to the table. And so I tried to play hardball to get that extension, and then I realized I kind of ran out of options. So what really is important is the fact that we got to forget about the fact I wanted an extension, and the best way that I'm going to get paid and paid, paid, paid elsewhere is to do what I have to do to play really good ball here, and you know that'll help the team win and the fans will like me, and that will actually improve my marketability so that I can play somewhere else for a lot of money in two years. Win-win for both, right? Yep. I don't dispute 
much of that translation, some semantics there. Again, I've stressed this before. I'll say it again. Eddie, we can save it for if I'm wrong. Unless the Colts give him something in the realm of three years, $13 million a year, by the time they renegotiate, they're either going to tag him or find somewhere else for him to go this offseason. I don't think this ends with a happy ending of everybody popping champagne and Jonathan Taylor getting the money that he feels like or felt like he had deserved. I will say, though, Jake, this soundbite we just played sounds a lot closer to Jonathan Taylor in April and in early May before this agent switch happened than it did the new Jonathan Taylor that was very demanding of, I'm going to play hardball like you mentioned in your Google Translate. I'm going to fight for this. I deserve this. Other players got it. I didn't get it. This sounds more like the... I'm here to do business. Let's put that on pause. It's not about me. It's about the team. And he's right. Because anybody in that locker room, while they appreciate John and Taylor as a brother in arms, they are worried about where this team is going. They are not worried about individual accolades or individual contract negotiations when the season starts. We've heard that from former offensive linemen. We've heard it from former wide receivers. Once you lace them up, it's go time. We're done with worrying about contract negotiations. Jonathan Taylor realizes that this is a good step forward, I think, for all parties involved. Yeah, I would agree. And I think Jonathan Taylor just went through like a three-month process of he took a half-court shot and it didn't go in and now he's figuring out how he's going to rebound the basketball and still get another chance at the hoop. I mean, you know what I mean? I get it. I totally get it. Um. By the way, the Big Ten has announced their – there were a lot of questions about this. 2026, 2027, 2028, you know, the, the years moving forward. What exactly is – 24, 25, you know, what's going to happen now with all these teams, right? With all of these teams and suddenly in the Big Ten, how in the world – like how many times is Indiana going to go to UCLA or how many times is USC actually going to be at, at Ross-Aid? Schedule's out. We'll begin with 2024, so that would be next year, right? Yep. Tom Allen coaching Indiana? Yes. Okay. Then he's going to be taking them right out to La La Land. As a matter of fact, how about this schedule for the Hoosiers? This isn't in order, I don't think, right? No, it's just away games and home games. They get away games at Ohio State and UCLA. (laughs) Now, they do get to go to Michigan State, which is cool. It's like an equal, equal dumpster fire, and Northwestern. So Indiana gets basically next year as their away games. They get two programs that are in complete disarray, and then two of them that I I don't know that UCLA is a great team, although Chip Kelly's a pretty good coach. But it is cool for Indiana fans to know that this time next year they're going to get the chance to go see Indiana play in the Rose Bowl. And I don't mean that joking. I mean, the stadium itself, the Rose Bowl, is fabulous. It's a destination game totally. for Hoosier fans totally. in the same way when you look at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, why fans want to, in the NFL, make a road trip to Las Vegas for a number of different reasons, but in part, to get to go to Vegas to see your team play. It's a destination spot. Now, of those teams that are the newcomers to the Big Ten, Purdue next year picks up Mac, Mac, the Ducks of Oregon. Which, by the way, I believe the last non-Big Ten team, or non, yeah, the last non, excuse me, the last non-Pac-12 team to win at Oregon was Indiana before. Didn't somebody just do it, though? Mm. 
or is it still Indiana? I, the Matt Lavecchio team with Indiana went and and won at Oregon. I I I they're I, I know that at one time that was the case. Maybe somebody just just beat it, and somebody's probably yelling at the radio right now. But um, that's also a pretty cool game, right? If you're a Purdue fan, it'd be cool to go out to Oregon. Great atmosphere. Oh, that stadium would be awesome, yep. right? So that is next year. Now in twenty five, you in- mentioned Washington as well for IU, right? I don't want to. That I use hosting Washington in twenty twenty four. I don't see Washington uh, at the uh, at the very bottom. Oh, they're hosting them. You're right. You're yep. right. Okay. Yep. That's so, cool though. Yeah, that'll be fun. The first first Pac twelve team to step into Memorial will be Washington. So for Purdue, there's got to be another newcomer team then, right? Or is there not? They. I think it's just weird. No, only yeah, only Oregon. Just Oregon in twenty four. Now in twenty five, and, and I don't know that we need to look beyond that necessarily. But in twenty five, Indiana. So this is in two seasons from now. Will Tom Allen be coaching them? No. Okay. Uh, Indiana will. <laughs> what was that again, Hetty? <laughs> Can we hear? Indiana will be hosting Oregon in twenty five. And they will again go to UCLA. So you got two years in a row to go see no, UCLA. No, the the schedule. Oh, no, the the schedule is very. It's a very sorry. weird graphic we- that Big Ten has utilized for this. Sorry. They will they- host UCLA next year or twenty twenty five. They will host UCLA twenty twenty five. Isn't home usually in white? And yeah, I know. I thought that the first three times reading this, and then I found the legend that is not greatly okay. labeled and figured it out. So sorry, this is a weird graphic. Yes, yeah, so Purdue actually hosts Oregon. So I got this totally wrong. So let's start this all over again. My apologies for this. This this actually like just came out, and now I realize that the home games are the highlighted white game or the the dark anyway. and gray games. Yeah. Okay. So Indiana next year, they are traveling to UCLA, and they will host Washington. Yes. Purdue next season will be traveling. To no newcomer. Correct. And hosting Oregon. Correct. Thank you, Todd, for pointing that out. Indiana in 25 will be traveling to Oregon mm-hmm. and they will be hosting UCLA. I'm sure the kids in Bel Air are thrilled about going to Bloomington, Indiana, <laughs> as well as some of the other places they go. Uh, Purdue. I'm next- sure Carson Steele is. Yeah. No doubt, man. And he's been good there, right? Yeah, he's averaging like seven yards a carry. Yeah. Uh, Purdue will be going this again. Not This is in 25. Traveling to Washington, which is, I'm telling you what, and then uh, hosting USC. How about that? USC coming to ross Aid in 25. And going to Washington, not only is it a tough place to play, that stadium is awesome. Yeah. The location of that stadium, if you go to a game, people, I'm telling you right now, if you're looking for a game to go to, I know UCLA and USC are kind of creme de la creme because of the, you know, the, his, the history of the two venues. But if you really want to go to a great environment in a beautiful setting, the University of Washington and Husky Stadium, you go up in that stadium and you go halfway up, and you're sitting there watching the game, and you look to your right, you were looking right out on Lake Washington, which looks like the Pacific Ocean. The Cascade Mountains all around you, it is gorgeous. University of Washington campus, gorgeous. Yeah. I want to take the DeLorean one year further and just highlight one matchup because I wanted to know so when this, this game was going to happen. This is right? 2026, 
when finally the USC Trojans will make their debut at Memorial Stadium. IU USC 2026. Tom Allen coaching that team? <laughs> no. I don't know what to do. No. No, I don't think so. You don't think so, huh? I think Jonathan Taylor has a better chance of getting an extension this week. Eric Moore and the Indiana Hoosiers hosting USC, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And how it's going to work. Matt Taylor is the voice of the Colts, and he joins us in 16 minutes. Anybody else remember the Colts-Ravens? The Baltimore Ravens came to Indy. It might have been the first time the Colts, uh, the Ravens came to Indy. So I want to say 96. Tony Saragusa was the big star for the Colts at the time. The Goose. It was right when the Colts were, everything was starting to kind of come together for them. Um, so maybe it was more like 95. But at any rate, the, the Ravens came in and they, they got BTO to perform live at the game. And, you know, it's like, come to see the Colts and the Baltimore Ravens and Nestor from Baltimore getting cussed out by people at Pan Am Plaza for walking around with a Baltimore Colts flag. And they they had BTO there, and I think people thought, like, in the old days at Market Square Arena for Pacer games, you you would go to the Pacer game, and then they'd say, like, come see the Indiana Pacers and the Boston Celtics, and then afterwards, cool in the gang, in concert. They would do things to entice people to sure. come out, right? And the Colts had BTO, and I think people were kind of, in their mindset, were going back to the brown curtain days of Market Square Arena, and they're like, I'm going to go to the Colts game, and then BTO's giving a concert. And instead, they were like lined, they were they like had like a, a little set on the sidelines, and about every third time out, they're like, here's BTO again, and they just kept playing Taking Care of Business. <laughs> it's like the same song. Like, wait a minute, we've done this like seven <laughs> times now. Television timeout. Here's BTO, and then they I fired do have it up. a question for you, Jake. So, um, you know, we talked about how you hate the hate the old uh, touchdown song for the Colts. Uh, you were at the game last Sunday. Did they, in fact, change the touchdown celebration song? Do you remember if you I listened? I don't recall. So, if I'm going to complain about it, I probably should be aware of that. But yeah. I'm up in the press box where you can't hear anything. It's a mausoleum. That's true. That is true. Did, well, did they? I don't know. That that's what I heard. I saw it I on Twitter. Know. Either last week or whatever the last home game was, like before that one was, hey, I don't think that uh, Bang on the Drum All Day is still being, I don't know the name of the song, sorry, but it's not being played. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, that's it. That's just the name of the song? All right, there you go. I think that's the name of the song. See, when I hear that song, I I think of the Packers, because that's what they play, and that's their historic Yeah, Packers Packers kind of did it first, and the Colts at some point adopted it. I I went off once on an an unhinged rant about the Colts' music and in-game situation and uh i got in trouble for it so i and so all i can say is it's wonderful <laughs> you're gonna cease and desist mm-hmm. great. yeah <laughs> I, I i wasn't familiar with their touchdown song last year because i i went to like seven games and there also weren't that many yeah exactly so there wasn't a chance for me to remember uh i am looking here i'm trying to remember what year that was that yeah, here we go. The Ravens and Colts. It was uh, October 13th of 96, I think, was the game. Pretty sure that was the game where BTO was there and played like repeatedly the entire time. The in-game concert equivalent of having a song on replay, eh? That's what it was. Todd Rundgren, bang on the drum, is gone. Ah, uh-huh. all right. Oh, man. Pour one out. What about Crazy Train? Is that still played on kickoffs? I don't know. I've not been to a game yet this I don't- year. It wasn't Crazy Train. It was, um, okay, oh, what was on. it? 
pull up Ozzy Osbourne Crazy Train, the very beginning of it. Pull, pull it up right here on the computer. Pretty sure be- it was Crazy Train. Yeah, yeah. In my in my memory, that that's played at some point during Colts games in the past. See if uh, do you have it, Eddie? Oh, well, I have to go through the 15 second ad first. <laughs> Do we not have a musical uh, archive set up here? I, although I, I doubt that Crazy Train is in the B105 song list. But I'm pretty sure that that's... A, okay, no, not not necessarily that part, but right here. Right here, yes. Yes. Maybe. Doesn't that sound like they're getting ready to kick off? Maybe. I could be thinking of a different song. Do you remember the one year that they allowed the players to select the music? And like people were all calling in because they're like, uh, there was like really profane music that was played. And Bill Poy on his radio show is like, that is absolutely untrue. We, we, we censored the music. And they're like, oh, no. And then that went away. <laughs> and before you know it, we were back to Crazy Train. Uh, Matt Taylor, by the way, is the voice of the Colts, and he joins us next. Matt Taylor is the voice of the Indianapolis Colts, joins us now on the program. Matt, I'm going to. I'm going to make things real easy on you. You ready? What's up? Well, obviously you know the big story today, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I'm assuming that you are anticipating that immediately I'm going to start asking you questions about the star <laughs> running back of the Colts kind of ending his, not holdout, but you know, speaking for the first time and deciphering what he had to say and breaking it down and talking about how the locker room is going to be affected and when we're going to see him and Zach Moss played well. All those things, and, and trust me, I will. But first I'm going to do this. Um, tell me a storyline or something that has taken place this week for the Colts that has been overshadowed by Jonathan Taylor that is something that actually is maybe even pointing in the right direction for the Colts, but we haven't talked about it as much because we've been so focused on Taylor. Hmm, good question. And I, and I, do, appreciate, I do appreciate that. I know we have to double back, but um, no, I mean, I just think it's a, it's, it's a monster game, and it's also – I, I'm calling this game, a, you know, an identity game for the Colts. It's um, it's a it's a it's a game five game where you're playing your you know your third AFC South game of the season. Tennessee kind of represents this roadblock, you know, this mental uh, hurdle, if you will, that the Colts just haven't been able to jump over. You know, they they've been swept by Tennessee each of the last two years. Uh, five straight wins for the Titans over the Colts. That's their longest winning streak over Indianapolis uh, in the history of the franchise. And that includes Titans history. That includes, you know, Houston Oilers history. Um, So I just think this is a monster game just in terms of identity because, you know, Houston, or excuse me, Tennessee wants to grind you down. It's going to be maybe one of the most physical games of the year. Uh, They're a fourth quarter team. You know, they want to run the ball and pound you, control the line of scrimmage with Derrick Henry. I've been saying it all week, you know, can the Colts, can they out tighten the Titans? And that's just been, you know, troublesome for, you know, this franchise in in this series the last couple of years. You know, Colts haven't won since uh, 2020 uh, down in Tennessee in this series. And you know, something that's kind of deceptive going into this game is, excuse me, you're going to be without, you know, one of your top cornerbacks in Dallas Flowers for the remainder of the year. You might be without Quiddy Pay, one of your top defensive ends uh, on the season in this game. Uh, and really, you know, the last two games, you know, the Ravens ran the ball. That's really no surprise, kind of deceptive there with Lamar Jackson. But it is a little bit concerning that the Colts gave up, what, 164 rushing yards last week to the Rams. 
And I think, you know, primarily that is due to DeForest Buckner being on a pitch count. He only played 20 snaps last week. You know, can the Colts, who have been deceptive or susceptible, I should say, against the run the last two games, you know, I think they're giving up 175 yards on average the last two on the ground. Can they put that all together against one of the best rushing attacks and maybe the best rusher in the NFL and Derrick Henry? Um, so those are the storylines I'm following this game. There's a million of them, but, uh, yeah, Jonathan Taylor's return's a big one. But everything else in terms of just mentality and, you know, the magnitude of this game, what it means kind of psychologically, I think is, is really big early in the season going into this matchup. Matt Taylor is our guest, voice of the Colts, brought to you by Shelby Materials, the concrete and aggregate experts. Matt, you mentioned the struggles against the run the last couple of games. How much of Sunday's ability to limit Derrick Henry from a schematic standpoint is impacted by DeForest Buckner potentially being on a pitch count again if that was to happen and where are we in terms of his health progress I know this is always a a tough stretch of the week where it's Thursday and we're still waiting for those final practice reports but from what you've seen and heard where are we on that front as well well you know he's 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 standing you know upright he's he's up and erect if you will in the locker room he's moving around pretty good today when he spoke to the media uh, but you're right. I mean, if, if the Colts would have practiced yesterday, he would not have practiced. We'll see what he what he does today. Um, but it, it's it's got to be something pretty pretty significant, you know, to to limit uh, DeForest Buckner in the way that he was last Sunday. Like I said, he only played like 20 snaps, 24 percent of the snaps for the game, and he was only out there like on key third down situations, on passing downs, and so. You know, for for a guy like him that played through so much, you know, injury related last year, you know what he's dealing with right now has got to be pretty painful. Um, I just think bigger picture though, you look at the Titans and you look at their splits so far. I mean, they really are an enigma. I mean, they're playing good at home. They're not playing well at all on the road. I mean, their splits are just enormous in terms of you know, bottom line. When they, when they're playing well, they look good. When they're when they're playing bad, they look awful. You know, they got beat 27 to 3 2 weeks ago. They came back last week and won 27 to 3. And I just think this team is is so much different when it gets off to a good start, right? When they can dictate things to their opponent and when they play from advantage, when they get ahead on the scoreboard, when they're able to run the ball, when they can afford to give John or uh, make that Derrick Henry, you know, 20 25 carries per game. Uh, you know, the Colts historically have done a good job against the run, but Derrick Henry's kind of that one outlier. He hasn't had, you know, monster games against the Colts, but I just call it like that cumulative effect kind of takes hold when uh, Derrick Henry plays the Colts. I mean, he's got six 100-yard uh, rushing games against Indianapolis uh, since 2018. Uh, you know, the Colts as a defense have only given up nine 100-yard rushers in that time. And Henry's got, you know, whatever the math is on that. He's got a bunch of them. So it's really, really imperative that the Colts get off to a good start in this game, make Ryan Tannehill more of a focal point than he wants to be, you know, more than that, that offense wants him to be. I'm not saying he can't lead a comeback or shoulder, you know, 40 attempts in the game, but their identity is controlling uh, the line of scrimmage, playing from advantage, and letting Derrick Henry just grind you down and, you know, hopefully for their sake, ripping off, you know, a 50 or a 60 yard touchdown run that kind of breaks your sword or, you know, provides the dagger in the fourth quarter. That's what the Colts are trying to avoid. For the most part, they've done well historically against Henry in that regard, but you just can't play from behind on this team and expect to, uh, 
you know, kind of dictate the game and, and flip the, the tone of the game against the Titans. Matt, when we talked to Blaine Bishop uh, just about an hour ago, who, of course, played for the Titans and does their radio stuff, he was talking about how one of the question marks for Tennessee is the offensive line. For Indianapolis on the offensive line, and it's funny to say this in just the second year, so tip of the cap to it, Bernard Ryman is an important you know anchor on that, obviously just by position and because he has played well once he yeah. kind of got footing there in the second half of last year. But now we know, of course, the protocol. Where do things stand with Bernard Ryman? Yeah, like I said, he didn't practice yesterday. And you know, if they would have practiced, he would not have, have participated. Um, he's still in the concussion protocol, according to Shane Steichen. Um, and he really hasn't done anything um, practice-related or game-related since last Thursday when these symptoms crept up on him. So today is going to be really, really big. You know, the Colts are actually practicing right now indoors as we speak. Um, that's that's going to be something to monitor. Same thing with Ryan Kelly, who continues to progress in the right direction. You know, yesterday he would have been full in practice. Uh, you know, barring another setback, you think he's trending in the right direction to play at least you get that anchor of your your offensive line back but you know I thought I thought Blake Freeland on on Sunday against the Rams you know he gave up one sack the Colts were uh, mindful of of you know his situation his first start uh you know going up against Aaron Donald I thought they did a good job late in the game to kind of focus some of the protection um towards him you know kind of help and and chip um but I thought all things considered he played a really good game, and he might be thrusted back into duty again this Sunday. But you're right, uh, you know Bernard Ryman, in in short order, has uh, you know kind of you know shot up the, the the rankings of most indispensable Colts because of the position that he plays. But I just think how how good he's been and the improvement that he has shown quickly from year one to year number two at left tackle. Matt, I don't know if you heard uh, Jonathan Taylor spoke earlier today. Um, and is back in the mix with things. And as you mentioned, walked through yesterday, practice today. Maybe it's unfair to ask, because I don't know that any of us know this, but I will give you the same question that Eddie and Jimmy and I were discussing yesterday. If you had to forecast it, is Jonathan Taylor active on Sunday? Yeah, that's that's the million-dollar question right now for, for the entire city as we wait and watch and see how this thing, uh, this thing progresses. I mean – I don't know if he's going to play. I know that he probably wants to. I think the Colts would like for him to because of, you know, if he's healthy, which that he, you know, he, he says that he is, he proclaims that he's in a good spot physically coming off of PUP. Um, he's the type of player that I think, you know, if he, he, he certainly has put his nose in the playbook all spring. He was around the team during training camp, during the install of the offense. So I don't think there's going to be a huge, you know, mental learning curve for him. So that being said, if he's physically ready to go and you mentally trust where he's at, let's let's go. That that would be my mindset, anyways. If I'm the head coach, when I everybody knows that I am not, but uh, I I would I would have no reservations putting him out there if if he's healthy, which you know everybody has said that he is now coming off these four weeks of pup. Um, I just think he's the type of player that. Let's just kind of grip it and rip it because you know the type of player he is. You know the history with him. I mean, the crazy thing is you look at his historical context, he's got like I think like 106 carries for his career over 10 yards, which is like 17%. 17% of his overall career carries are explosive runs over 10 yards. I mean, you would love to have that back into this offense to complement 
uh, Anthony Richardson. You know, you, you certainly don't take anything away from Zach Moss and his contributions, but you put Taylor in that rare air. You know, he's just in a different bucket. He's just a different guy uh, because of everything he can do physically. And you know, if he if he can turn a, a 15 yard gain into a 50 yard you know explosive run down inside the red zone or into the end zone, you want a guy you know in that offense. Uh, with you on Sunday so to me I, I just keep it real simple if he's healthy and ready to go and you trust where he's at mentally um, there's no reason why I, I wouldn't put him out there and I wouldn't give him maybe an above average workload if you will right out of the gate and in his first game in 2023. And Matt I don't know Jonathan Taylor uh, you know I, I'm not going over to his house and vice versa but from the ex- exposure I've had to him in press conferences watching him play seeing how he handles things seems like a really good guy I mean I know that people can get upset because of contractual things and all of that you know guys are going to do what they think is in the best interest for themselves their family their security I I understand all of that but I'm curious from your standpoint as somebody who has been around him a lot did his aura change at all today did he seem like a guy that had his tail between his legs because I do think that this has been a learning lesson for him um you know, a, a learning process just about negotiations and handling them and things like that. Um, did he in any way, shape, or form seem to be different than last time he spoke? Well, I'll, I'll, I will be honest with you. I, I didn't have a chance to go to the press conference. I was in the locker room doing some other uh, other interviews. But I did go back and I, I did listen to it. You know, so I didn't have – I wasn't there physically, you know, to see his body language or to see his facial expressions. Uh, I just listened to to the to the answers from the press conference, and listen. Th- there is no doubt that you know he has been through a lot in the Colts with with him in this relationship. They've been through a lot really since you know May and, and the OTAs. Um, I, I, I'll be honest with you, Jake. Like I, I didn't see. Maybe I'm naive. I didn't. I didn't see. You know, when 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 the Colts broke for the summer break, if you will, after the mini camp, I, I didn't think. We were going to get here. Um, and so, but in saying that, though, I mean, every player, and Shaq Leonard talked about this today, I mean, every player has to separate the, 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 the business from just being a good teammate. And through all of this, you talk to all the guys in the locker room, you know, they, they routinely have said that he's still a great guy, a great human being, he's a great teammate. And we just have to respect the fact that he is doing what he thinks is best for him and his career. And, you know, because everybody knows the NFL stands for not for long. And Jonathan Taylor could go out this Sunday and, you know, knock on wood. He could just, you know, have a really bad injury. And, and that would be that. Every player faces, you know, that possibility and that reality. And every player goes through free agency and contract disputes and, uh, relationships with the team through their agents or relationship r- relationships directly with general managers and, and things like that. So I know he's requested a trade, and I know the Colts kind of let him sniff around a little bit. Nothing happened there, and now he's back with the team, and I think he's in a good you know mental headspace. Uh, to, to me, I, I don't have enough you know mental capacity to, to worry about uh, a whole lot other than if I'm a player and I'm under contract, it's time to play. And I think that's where Jonathan Taylor is at, too, 
it's like, all right, you know, we, we did this whole song and dance in the off season. Um, you know, I, I've aired my grievances. The Colts have, uh, you know, aired where their stance is at. And now it's time to play because I have to play, right? If I'm speaking on behalf of Jonathan Taylor, my mindset's probably, you know, I've got to play to to get to, un, you know, unrestricted free agency next off season. Um, I'm still going to, you know, bust my tail. I'm going to do everything I can for this team the rest of the year. We'll see what happens next off season in terms of the financials and the contracts and stuff like that. But if I'm Jonathan Taylor now, after all of the um, you know off the field stuff that that happened in uh, you know August and, and September, now it's time to play and now it's time to put my best foot forward for this team that I'm on right now, and we'll worry about everything else. Yeah, you know, I mean, come January fifth, Matt, he's got to know it's a it's. He's got to know that it would be a win-win. I mean, if he comes in, to use a player's term, if he comes and balls out, if he puts up huge numbers and they win games as a result of that, that helps the Colts. But, hell, it helps Jonathan Taylor, right? Because if he is ever going to go into free agency, he's got to be able, you know, this is his audition all over again, crazy as that sounds, right? Absolutely. And I think to a degree, this is kind of what Chris Ballard was uh, alluding to and referring to at the end of last year, you know, like won four games last year and we went on a tailspin to close out the year. We lost seven games and, you know, we, we fell so short of expectations in 2022. Let's just hit the reset button. And before, you know, we, I mean, not that you don't want to reward Jonathan Taylor for the player that he is and what he did in 2021, but I just think like culturally and from an organization standpoint, like you're still under contract let let let's let's ride this thing out and let's get back on track in terms of winning and building this culture and getting back on track inside the AFC South before we do anything before we have to and I I don't know where Jonathan Taylor is on on that stance and maybe he got you know a little bit missed by that I'm I'm sure that he did I mean I haven't talked to him about it and today he didn't want to go into that but I I think you know this this you know these next whatever amount of games represent just that like this is another audition to 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 show just how dynamic you are how special you can be and what you can add to our offense with a great young marvelous young quarterback and anthony richardson you know if you prove to us that you know you're worth this extension that you want or or whatever um you know just show us that you with with anthony richardson can be incredibly special but for the time being, let's just go out there and prove it, and and let's let's prove to each other just how badly you know we we need one another going forward, and then we'll go back to the negotiating table, you know, this upcoming winter. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, is our guest, presented by Shelly Materials, the concrete and aggregate experts. Matt, you mentioned this a little bit ago, but I was with you in that I didn't think we'd ever get here with Jonathan Taylor on a podium speaking to the media and talking about how he was ready to get out there and play. Throughout this process, regardless of whether or not he plays this Sunday, next Sunday, whenever, for me, that was something I needed to see. I think Colts fans also needed to see it. Not necessarily an Instagram Live or something that that was just under his control. Him actually going up to the podium, as players do, addressing the situation, even though he dodged a little bit here and there, but making sentiment known that I need to play and I'm excited to be back out there. Am I reading too much into that from the fans' perspective, or was that something that, that needed to happen on this climb to get back to being a part of the Colts? No, I, I don't I don't I don't think you're off base right there because again, regardless of everything that has happened since May forward, uh, with 
the contract talks and, 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 you know, going on PUP to start training camp, all of that stuff that has happened off the field. Jonathan Taylor still loves football. And I know to a degree that being away from his teammates and not being in training camp and, and not going through preseason games, like I do know Jonathan Taylor somewhat to a, to a, to a decent degree. And I, I, I can on good authority tell you that it, that's not what he wanted to do in, in terms of being away from the game for that long. So today and well, yesterday and then today, getting back on the practice field, actually going through a practice for the first time, I think today does represent kind of a, a safe haven for him because at the end of the day, he is a football player and he is damn good at, at playing this game. And he is a special, special guy. And so, you know, to, to be in front of his locker and to lace up the cleats and put on the shoulder pads today, that's going to feel good for him. You know, regardless of all the stuff that happened off the field and who you think is right and who you think is wrong, it really doesn't matter because Jonathan Taylor is back on the field for the first time since December 17th of 2022. There's been a lot of stuff that has happened within this franchise since then. Um, so I think it, today's kind of just like a safe space for him to go out and, and play football and just do what got him here in the first place, and that's just use his special talents to the best of his ability. You know, Matt, one guy that I think we, we should give a huge kudos to, and, I, and I, I think you'll agree with me here, when a guy and this is not meant as a slide at Jonathan Taylor or like some sort of an antithesis, you know, alternate viewpoint type thing, you know, contrasting against Jonathan Taylor, but all you can ask from a player, regardless of position, all you can ask for a player is that they do everything they can to get themselves ready when their number is called and that when their number is called, they execute what's asked of them to the best of their ability. And I'll tell you what, man, Zach Moss has done both those things. I mean, to not only come back from the injury that he suffered, but then when his number has been called to play and play really, really hard. I remember, I'm old enough to remember back when the Colts had Dickerson and Albert Mm -hmm. Bentley. And, you know, the old line was keep the Rolls Royce in the garage and just start the Bentley. And, And I don't think we're there with this, but my point being... I've got to tip my cap to the professionalism of Zach Moss. Now, you're around him more than I am, but I just thought the guy has played really well at the time that was a difficult situation to walk into. Yeah, no, that's well said. Couldn't agree more. I think there's a lot of guys like that within this locker room. But, yeah, to to your point, he – whatever you needed from him, he was going to give it to you. And it was just a really, you know, a bad thing, a shame for him that, you know, the the first day of of full pads and training camp, he breaks his forearm – which kind of sets him back, but he's been, I think he ranks sixth in the NFL and rushing since the end of last year, like week 15 on, you know, that game I was t- telling you about, about Jonathan Taylor going out against the Vikings. Since that game, Zach Moss has been one of the best running backs in the NFL and he ranks really high in rushing and he, and he missed a game, right? He didn't play game one against the Jaguars, still rehabbing, coming back from that broken arm in, in training camp. Um, so it's just remarkable you know, answering the bell and just the durability. That's that's what's most impressive about Zach Moss. I mean, he's got, I don't know what the carry number is off the top of my head, but he's played in like 84% of the snaps the last three games. And you know, he's coming off that career-high 30-carry game for a buck 22 against the Ravens. And you're right, going forward, you know, whatever, we'll, we'll see what it means on Sunday, right? If Jonathan Taylor is active, if he's not active, uh, if he plays and he's got like a little bit of a, 
a niche role just given the circumstances. I mean, I think I think Zach Moss is ready for you know Jonathan Taylor to have five carries or twenty five carries, and whatever that means for Zach Moss, he's ready to roll and he's just going to run very very hard. He's going to be a downhill guy. He's that one cut back between the tackles. He's that perfect back to kind of keep you on schedule down and distance wise. He's going to average over four yards per carry. He's going to get you into second and six. Um, I'm just really, really impressed with Zach Moss. He's a really, really good player. He's a great guy, um, and he just takes good care of his body, just like Jonathan Taylor. But um, he's going to be prepared and ready to go to answer the bell on whatever his role is now going forward, given the fact that Taylor can come off of this PUP uh, window or come come off of PUP and then be activated as early as this weekend. Matt, finally – You'd be a good person to ask this trivia question towards because you and I have discussed before. I I think we had similar upbringings in terms of what led to our passion for like radio and sports in general, right? And um, and we also have at times we have noticed that there's parallel thought in terms of players or or franchises that we admire or like. So uh, I'm assuming because you you know I mean have a job and and other things that would keep you busy that you have not been able to listen to the program today. Um, I am wearing an NFL hat, and it is not a hat of the Indianapolis Colts, which people might find to be, I don't know, a violation since I'm doing a show in Indianapolis. But this hat that I'm wearing is a logo of an NFL team, and I'm wearing it. I've always kind of liked this team almost entirely because when I was a kid, I loved their color scheme and their logo. And this hat is kind of the throwback color scheme and logo of this NFC team. Now, I want you to go to 8-year-old Matt Taylor, the hat that you would wear that would be that, that fits the team that you were like, you just loved their helmets when you were a kid, would be who? (laughs) Can I guess the hat you're wearing? Yes. First, you can tell me, you can guess my hat and then tell me which hat you would wear that would fall under the same category. All right. Uh, I think that you are wearing today a Detroit Lions hat. Okay. I have a Detroit Lions hat, and oh, you know, no. you know, they redid their logo because the lion—they uh, call him Bubbles because they said it looked like it was a lion that was trying to bat bubbles <laughs> with his paws. So they made him more fierce, and now he looks more like a griffin. But I have a Lions hat that I bought when I got laid off from a radio job in the same year they were winless because I figured I had the same year that they had. So, <laughs> but it's not that hat. Which so so the, the second part of it would be, which hat would you have that falls in this category? Um, you know, I guess I guess my my second favorite team growing up or the team that might fit into that category would be I don't even know, gosh. Like your I mean, eight year old Matt Taylor sitting on his rug well, and he's I got his little tape the, recorder and he's and the, the NFL like the, the helmets are up on and the little poster you got from the <laughs> the book fair and you're like, yeah. I like that logo. Okay, if we're just going off of logos, all right, if we're just going off of logos, it's probably the Packers, the Chiefs, and I've always liked the Bengals. The Bengals helmet, like the the Bengal Tiger helmet, has always kind of spoken to me. Okay, that's cool. I can deal with that. that, That's classic. I like like classic uniforms, you know, like things that are unchanged because they're already perfect. Like the Packers uniform – the Colts uniform, the Chiefs uniform. I'm also a big fan of contrast. You know, so like a, a team at home wears, like, and, in, in, you know, Jimmy knows this, at home the Chiefs wear red and uh, white pants. Yep. I'm a, I, I would love to see, you know, selfishly, I think it's a classic look, but 
I, I personally would love to see the Colts wear blue pants on the road. I think that would look awesome. Um, but, uh, no, I, 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 I didn't follow a ton of teams because you've you got to talk about when I was 10 years old, that was like Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I mean, you had the Colts. Back. I did not, correct. correct. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. So I, 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 I've always been kind of attracted to logos instead of like teams outside of Indianapolis. Okay, so the answer is, by the way, I'm wearing like the – I mean, obviously the hat is not from 1983, but the color and logo of the Kurt with a C. Kurt Warner, Jim Zorn, Steve Largent, Seattle Seahawks. All right. Okay. The royal yeah. blue with the blue and emerald green Seahawks. Matt, I told him earlier when I ever I play Madden, if I'm ever the Seahawks, I like to mess with the uniforms. That's the helmet decal <laughs> that I go with is the hat that he's wearing. It's very, very nice. I like it. I like it. What what's the worst what's the worst classic logo? Okay. Like the the, Great the logo that was ditched and ditched for a good reason that should never come back. Oh so oh okay. Jersey or you're saying logo specifically? Yeah. Because there are a couple, again, I think we always favor, do we not, like, nostalgia, right? I mean, yeah. and yeah. I said yesterday, Matt, when it comes to, especially in baseball, to your point, the teams that change logos and color schemes every year, it's because they suck. They got no, they got oh, yeah. no tradition to, to sell, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. So they're just constantly like, hey, here we are, we're new. And well, the New York Yankees don't have to change. The Cubs right. don't have to change. And the Cubs suck, but uh, okay. <laughs> the... Okay, a couple of them here. I can never recall which Jets logo they're currently going with. <laughs> same. And the same, I didn't necessarily ever like the Giants that had the Giants in the bulk letters streaking across a la the Sam White IU teams. I, oh, you like the, like the italicized Giants in the underline? Yeah, that was to me that was bland, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of teams that have changed and, and had one that they never went back to. I don't mind you know as what? much on the field, Matt, but my nomination would probably be Brownie the Elf on the helmet, I would say, for the Browns. Yeah. Yeah. Brownie or like that cool. giant, yeah, or that creepy thing in the middle of the field that's like 40 <laughs> yards wide. That, yeah, that's, that's terrifying. That's Brownie, Brownie the Elf. The Elf yeah. Now, here's the yeah. Carolina, I'll tell you this the Carolina Panthers and the New England Patriots, when I say new logos, I mean, you know, 20 year old logos, they look yeah. to me like USFL stickers that are on the side of a helmet. I agree with that. Uh, not now, a fan go, of either logo. Can I go off? Uh, can I go outside of NFL and say, remember like the uh, late '90s, early 2000s Detroit Pistons logo? Oh, dude, and the, the, that was the, awful. Matt, the NBA went through this era of purgatory where everybody was putting <laughs> teal in anything, and it was awful, right? <laughs> yeah, the, remember the Spurs had a bunch of teal. They did. The Grizzlies did that for a while, and I yep, think they got away yep. from you know. Now they're like blue. Yeah, it was awful. Teal was the the rate, and and the Raptors. The Raptors, I think, went with like purple and teal. I mean, what are we doing, right? <laughs> Just awful. Yep. It's like it's Timothy like the, Leary was like designing the, teams. It's like the Miller Lite can. You know, like they went back to it as a throwback, and then they just left it alone because everybody loved it so much. Totally. You know? Yeah. It's, now, it's, it's, it's been unchanged for a decade. Now, here's a better question. Are there any current logos in the NFL that are better than its predecessor? Some would say the Broncos. I kind of liked the D with the with the horse on it. I thought that was yeah, cool. Yeah, jumping through the middle of the D. Yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. Uh Man, I wish I had the logos in front of me. I mean, the like Dolphins. The, I'm not. A, the Dolphins have like the little swimming dolphin, that, and and I think most people favor the jumping through the hoop dolphin with the little helmet on. Yeah, see, the Dolphins. It's like it's different, but the same. I, I can't really. 
I mean, I could probably tell if they were like side by side, but to me, it's just like the same thing, just a little bit subtly different, I suppose. Now, have you noticed this, Matt? The Florida Lee got smaller. Have you noticed on the Saints? It's smaller uh, no, today than it was no. like 25 years ago. It used to be huge really? on the side of the helmet. Now it's smaller. Okay. All but, right. But a cool logo. <laughs> I hey. think San, San, the, the, the S and the F in San Francisco, that's timeless. Let me tell you, you the, Niners have, the Niners uniforms are sweet, man, right? I mean, yeah. I'm not a fan, oh, yeah. but they're sweet. Yep. Great color scheme. And you know, lastly, to put a bow tie on all this, or somebody mentioned the other day, you're just putting a bow on it, not a bow tie. Okay. To put a bow on all this um, – <laughs> I thought personally, when the team was announced as a new franchise, I thought the Houston Texans, from a color scheme and logo standpoint, absolutely knocked it out of the park. Yeah, yep. Totally yep. cool. Now, the other side of that would be Jacksonville when they decided to do that half gold, half black helmet that looked like a Jaguar threw up on it. That sucked. Yep. And I, I will give I will give credit to Tennessee, too. They have kind of... They've revamped their color scheme in in the last couple of years to kind of go with like a dark navy blue helmet, um, and yeah. kind of embrace embrace like a, a grayish tone in their jerseys because they were just kind of like that Carolina blue for a while, uh, and that that really didn't do anything for me in terms of uh, kind of you know putting the putting the fear of God in, in, in a football team with their color scheme. I, I think they're they're much better uh, you know aesthetically looking now uniform wise. I think we should do, Matt, you and I should just do a podcast where we do nothing for the entertainment of ourselves of talking about every logo of every team in professional sports. That You know what, given, given the last couple of months with uh, you know the, the topic of conversation we got done talking about, I'm, I'm all for that, where I can shut my brain off for a little That's bit right. you know. and just go where I want to go. Love it. Hey, appreciate yep. it, Matt. We'll be listening to the game coming up on Sunday. One o'clock kick, of course, at Lucas Oil Stadium between the Colts and the Titans. Appreciate it. All right, guys. I appreciate you. Have a good week. All right, Matt Taylor, again, uh, the voice of the Colts there on the hotline. A- Atlanta, you know, Atlanta actually has a subtle F. Did you notice that? Do you know that? Yes. Denver's wearing those, the white helmets tonight with that logo you and Matt were talking about, the, by the way. The 80s logo? Yeah. The D- um, I'll tell you one that the Ravens, I always forget which one. The Ra- the Ravens originally had the, the bird, and then they went to, like, the crest, and now they're back to the bird, right? Yes. I prefer the Raven. You know why they're the Ravens, right? Of course. Edgar Allan Poe. That's right. Because every time you face him, you say, how was it playing them? You go, yeah, I'm doing that never more. But, hey, the Colts got to win, right? Uh, we'll be right back in a second. Welcome back, Query and Company. Great conversations with Blaine Bishop on our Thursday road trip, as well as conversations with Matt Taylor. You can get those on 107bythefan.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Query and Company. I thought Matt was very enlightening on this front, Jake, which is that from a marker standpoint, if you're marking out the path that you needed for Jonathan Taylor to play football for the Colts once again, which I didn't think might happen. I thought maybe this could be a full holdout. I think a lot of people thought that. That maybe the trade was going to happen at some point, or perhaps he would just sit back and let the season play out and revisit it in the offseason. For me, and Matt mentioned this as well, one of the biggest hurdles that needed to be cleared was time with the media and him saying verbally, I'm ready to get back to playing football. I, I, I needed to hear that. I think some Colts fans probably did too, to at least get some assurance that this is just not head games for him of, okay, I am active or I'm going to be active soon, but I'm going to be a distraction. That was not the takeaway that I have from the way he handled that press conference. You asked the other day, are distractions going to be present? Are they going to affect the team? 
the way he handled it publicly would indicate to me he's just ready to play football. Right. I think he finally came to the conclusion, Jimmy, that there was no other avenue. In terms of getting a big contract or finding the payoff that he needs, he figured out that, like I said to you earlier, when you, when you go to the restaurant when you're a little kid and they bring out the, the paper placemat and a crayon and they try to keep you busy and one of the things they have is the little maze and you've got to get i think you said find you know help sparky go home yeah, right right or or, or or momo the the monkey that was loose help on momo the east side of indianapolis right yes. help momo find his way home topical and everywhere that he went he kept running into a roadblock and that's i think jonathan taylor in looking at his future and the contractual status thereof realized that he had no other option but to come back and show the rest of the league that he can still play and that he merits someone giving him a big contract beyond this year. Now, I think he knows he's probably going to get tagged as well. But after basically saying, look, I want money, the Colts essentially said, okay, then find somebody that is willing to pay you that and we'll happily trade you to him. And then he had to come back and go, um... When you told me I could see other people, everybody else said they already had a date to the prom. I mean, again, I feel like, and I don't want to misrepresent how those negotiations went down, but to borrow the analogy of you telling a girlfriend, to, okay, try to find somebody else, if I was wanting to pursue said girlfriend, I would also have to pay you something to be able to date her. And that was never going to happen with the price that you laid out to me. Right. Like, I get it. The Colts held all the cards. That was well within their right to do that, but... From what was reported, they were asking for him in terms of getting like a wide receiver one back or if their bar was first round pick, that that was never going to happen. So he's forced to look at look in the mirror and realize, OK, they aren't going to find a trade partner for me as it stands or they have not got an offer up to their standards. The only way for me to maybe one day get paid is by playing this out and stepping back up the negotiating table at the end of the season. But again, I can't stress this enough. This is big picture. Colts fans probably don't think about this right now, but you will by the time the season's over. I think it ends with him getting tagged. That That's the way this ends. If I was an owner and I was looking at the finances of that position, that's what I would do. Did we see history yesterday in sports? You mean the fact that the wild card was like a complete failure and we have no more games until the divisional series? We might have seen history. Okay. I'll explain what I mean and we'll get some of your picks next. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a f- athlete. This is my f- way. This is how I win. You know, I had grand plans about maybe having some more playoff baseball in my life. I have to wait till Saturday to do that. Wild card round. Cleaned up nicely across the board. So we'll instead switch to Thursday night football for bets this evening. Bears Commanders. We're going to take Terry McLaurin as an anytime touchdown scorer, as well as the over in this game. It's 44 and a half is the total. The Commanders last three weeks have given up 30 plus points. The Bears nearly at that mark, just a field goal shy, in fact, of that. They're ranked 29th and 31st, 31st, excuse me, respectively on defense. Give me the over in this one. Eddie, you also have a bet today, no? Yeah, I do. I like the uh, FanDuel odds boost. Normally, I don't play these just because FanDuel gives out really bad odds boosts, but I think tonight's a good one. Uh, Brian Robinson, 40-plus rushing yards. Of course, the running back for the Commanders. He's hit that in every single game this season. And then DJ Moore, 40-plus receiving yards. He's hit that in three consecutive games, including uh, two 100-yard games. He's 
got uh, six plus targets in the last three games. So uh, that secondary for Washington just got cooked by Stephon Diggs. So uh, I. I like this, plus 200. 22 targets over the past three, as Eddie mentioned, at least six over that span. So I really like the DJ Moore bet. I agree. By the way, 1-800-9 with it. Indeed. Um, I believe, I, I don't know, someone could probably tell me, and this maybe has happened, but I can't recall it. Maybe it was a year ago. I, but I thought it was interesting, I'll just say that, that every round, every game, or every series in round one was a sweep, right? Yeah. All sweeps. Now, did they not have – I'm an idiot here. Um, wasn't there one-game play-in games at one time? There were. They did away with those in the – well, they, there, were, there was a one-game wild card. That's what it was. It was that, just yeah, yeah. one game. And then they of, added the third wild card team, so then it gave the, yeah, yeah. So the top best two teams of, a bye. Okay, so here we go. Uh, obviously, one of my teams is out. I'd said the World Series. I thought it was going to be the Rays and the Phillies. That obviously has not come to fruition and will not because the Rays are out. So – uh, we'll simply go real quick. Tell me who you think's going to win. Tell me who you'd like to see win. Dodgers, Diamondbacks, Eddie. I'd like to see Arizona win, but need- Dodgers will prevail. Okay. Jimmy? I echo that sentiment. Uh, I would like to see the Dodgers, and I think the Dodgers will win. I hope uh, my mom's not listening. She Braves and Phillies. Uh, I'll go oh, same thing. I would love to see the underdog win, but uh, the Braves are getting to the NLCS. Braves get it done. Yep. yep. Same for Jimmy. Over I would there. like to see the Braves win because my buddy Paul the Mailman is a different Paul the Mailman than our director of Giddiness, uh, is a huge Braves fan, and the Braves are cool. Um, my buddy Tom Stallings is also a Braves fan, but I think the Phillies are going to win that particular series. Astros and Twins. Eddie? I'm going Houston. I think uh, they're hot right now. Good pitching staff. A lot of postseason experience as well. Uh, I'm going to use emotion for this one. Twins and Twins. They've got the streak behind them. They've won their first playoff series in quite some time. Won their first playoff games. It's 4 They go to the ALCS. They upset the Astros. I thought the Twins uniforms, by the way, the, the big TC on the hat, awesome. Those, those white school uniforms looking, right? were nice. Yeah, they're cool, aren't Car- they? Carlos Correa revenge series right here. Uh, I'd like to see the Twins win. I think the Astros will do it, though. And finally, Rangers and the cute fella. Uh, cute fella gets it done. Cute fella will win. And part of this is I'd like to know that the ALCS East was not totally for waste this year. Uh, Blue Jays and Rays squandering their chances in sweeps. Orioles to the ALCS. Give me the Rangers. That offense is too good, and I don't think the the Baltimore Orioles have enough starting pitching to last through the series. Okay. Uh, again, I'm going cute fella for both, obviously. I'm going to be in Baltimore uh, in two weeks, and so I think it'd be cool if the Would Orioles you go? were playing. Would you go? I, th- I think we would, yeah. Now, we're planning on going possibly to a Navy. My buddy Mike Byron and I do a road trip every year. Um, as a matter of fact, I neglected to, to mention, yesterday was the uh, birthday of our dear friend, Kevin Turhandonner, who passed away. Um, gosh, I guess it's been almost seven years ago that he, that he passed away. But um, And so when Byron and I, when he passed away, I had to fly down to Austin, Texas to get his car for him for his parents because he left his car to his parents and we drove his car back from Austin. So every year, Byron and I do a road trip where we pick a different location, fly to it, rent a car, and drive home in Turhan's honor. And um, this year we are doing Long Island because we've kind of come from every direction at this point, but we're going to drive down out of New York, down into the Baltimore area, and we're either going to do an Orioles playoff game or a Navy football game at Annapolis and then drive back and we'll be back on that Sunday. I would lean towards, even though Navy environments are cool, I would lean towards Baltimore just because it's been a minute 
and playoff baseball is well yeah and i love baltimore i love the city of baltimore I, my understanding is that annapolis is absolutely gorgeous camden and yards that, is a beautiful park too never been it's on yeah. my list I well need the to. indycar race that was pit road it was great it went right right past it uh the inner harbor there is cool and then I just really like Baltimore. I think it's a super cool city. Uh, tonight, by the way, thank you to Family Promise for having uh, myself. Derek Schultz is going to be there as well for tonight's 2023 Home Sweet Home event. We will be emceeing that event tonight and helping with homelessness here in Indianapolis. Very much appreciated. John is up next. Folks, we'll talk to you again tomorrow at noon. Thanks for listening.